This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Happy Monday. A month from now, I will be sleeping in Hawaii. Let's go. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, Sorry. thanks. Uh, a month from now, I will be in Hawaii. <laughs> you will not because you're a casual. Um, yes, indeed, we are excited. Yes, we had a really good weekend. No, Donovan Mitchell hasn't been traded by the Utah Jazz yet. But will the Utah Jazz trade Donovan Mitchell? We have a huge trade update on Don coming up here in about five minutes. Stick around for that. We'll talk a lot of college football this morning. A fresh, hot new rumor. A hot take. uh, Involves Notre Dame, Utah, and Florida State. By the way, who's a better Heisman candidate? Cam Rising or Jaron Hall? Uh, Gotta go Cam Rising. Okay, I agree. Jaron Hall. Uh, we'll talk about that, and of course, you shouldn't bring McDonald's on airplanes. Idiot. Idiot. There we go. Welcome to the show. I uh, want to remind everybody to uh, make sure that you head to your nearest uh, barbecue pit stop because we are giving away a trip for two to see BYU and Notre Dame uh, in the Shamrock Series, uh, which is in uh, Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, October 7th and 8th. And the only way that you can win that um, is to go to your nearest barbecue pit stop in Logan, Layton, Lehigh, Murray, and, of course, the venerable St. George, Utah. There is an enter-to-win box at all of the barbecue pit stops in Utah. Fill out the slip, drop it in the box. Join us September 17th at the Lehigh Barbecue Pit Stop. We are going to have a watch party for Oregon and BYU. We'll have wings and pizza. Smokers will be fired up. We'll watch some duck hunting. And then at the half, we will draw a winner to see BYU and Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series at Allegiant Stadium. And of course, it is all presented by our good friend, Devry Davis at Academy Mortgage. Um, You know... I think it's very interesting how low mortgage rates are right now. Not sure what you're waiting for. Call our guy, Devery Davis, 801-543-9666. NMLS number 278-545. Sup, y'all. Good to see everybody in the comments. Colton Bitten says, uh, happy Monday. Ishmael Beck-Nielsen says, morning, fellow casuals. Elbow cough. How big of a percentage would you put on Donovan Mitchell to still be a jazz man come October? Well, it's funny that you would bring that well, up. Well, well, well. Um, because we have brand new details uh, on the efforts of your Utah Jazz um, and the New York Knickerbockers uh, to make a trade for Donovan Mitchell. And the Utah Jazz don't seem to be willing to lower their asking price. And I was told by a source over the weekend uh, with the Utah Jazz that they are planning on having Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley in training camp when it opens in late September. And now what does that mean to you? Well, what that means to you is that the Jazz have a very high bar 
uh, for trading Donovan Mitchell. And if you're the Knicks, that that bar seems to be too much to ask and to meet. Um, and so that trade has not happened yet. And if you go back over the timeline of this situation with Donovan Mitchell um, and the New York Knicks, it is very clear that the Knicks have been frustrated for some weeks, as we reported um, back in July, that Leon Rose became frustrated with Danny Ainge in the process of trying to make a trade with Danny Ainge. Affects me. And let me tell you, Leon Rose is not the first guy to feel that way because Danny Ainge is, has been, over his career as an executive, one of the most difficult guys to make trades with. Yet somehow, someway, he's able to trade Rudy Gobert to Minnesota for Alex Rodriguez in a package of picks, right? So the Knicks wanted to get a Donovan Mitchell deal done. They are looking for an iconic player uh, to call their own. Yet Danny Ainge has not come off of his asking price, and everybody has been debating who's got the leverage and who needs a deal more. Well, apparently the Utah Jazz, as we have been reporting for six to eight months now, aren't so keen on trading Donovan Mitchell. And as we speak right now, Jazz sources tell me they are planning on having Donovan Mitchell in training camp because they simply don't have a need and there is not enough value in a Knicks trade to move Don on to the Knicks. So if you're a Jazz fan, I would plan on seeing Donovan Mitchell at training camp unless, Jake, the Knicks completely change um, their position and they offer significantly more for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and I, and I think this is what we've been hearing. This is the conversation we've been having with, with the Utah Jazz and, and Donovan Mitchell in this whole trade situation. And I think that... You know, again, I'm just going to keep saying it. I, I think Danny Ainge deserves a lot of credit for for his his you know stubbornness, if you will, his ability to to be steadfast in the asking price and in in what seems to me uh, committed to his plan, which right now, based on behavior, again, just going off of what we've seen, what we know, you know, what's been put in front of us, the the plan to me, based on what we've seen is to keep Donovan and uh, to keep Donovan unless they get some kind of ridiculous offer that matches Danny Ainge's price. And so like we've said and like I've specifically been saying, it feels like the Knicks want a discount off of that price. And I'm telling you that's not going to happen. Danny Ainge is not going to give away his best player for anything less than what he feels is is fair and maybe above fair asking price. So that's why I say I think that, you know, for, for the Jazz fans, I know there's kind of two camps around Donovan Mitchell. There's one camp that says, hey, let's trade this guy. He doesn't want to be here. He didn't play defense, whatever. Not a Donovan guy. Get him out of here. And then we have the other side that says, hey, this guy's been our best player. Yeah, he had a rough season, but he's shown us what he can do, and there's a lot more there. Into that sector of the fan base, I would say you're probably going to get that. I think you're going to get at least another half season of Donovan Mitchell because I do think there's an opportunity to make a deadline deal potentially because these talks aren't going to go anywhere. That's one thing we definitely know. The Knicks and the Jazz will keep talking. There, It will just be an ongoing thing but I think the question being that that's the case is how do you if you're Donovan Mitchell and you're Will Hardy and you're this coaching staff and you're the guys that are worried about winning basketball games how do you set all the Knicks stuff aside how do you set set aside the offseason noise and the offseason happenings to just focus on playing basketball just focus on putting the ball in the hole to win basketball games that's what I think is the challenge uh in front of this new this new look team this year yeah, and I, I personally think, in the, and again, this is just my opinion, I I think based on what I've been told by sources at the Jazz and sources around the NBA, the Jazz have never really shown a willingness to move Donovan Mitchell. There, of course, have been talks. Obviously, the Knicks and the Jazz have, have been talking, but the question that is, is interesting to me is, 
Are the Jazz asking too much in return for Donovan Mitchell? And I would say, no, they're not. And again, as we've been reporting for a couple of weeks, the tipping point on this thing seems to be Quentin Grimes um, with the Knicks. The Knicks have have taken Quentin Grimes out of any trade conversations. They told the Jazz that Quentin Grimes is not available, um, which, again, I think makes perfect sense if you're the Knicks. But then it also makes perfect sense if you're the Jazz uh, to not trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks because Quentin Grimes is a must-have if you're the Jazz. And I think when you look at the appetite of the Utah Jazz and you look at what they've consistently said, the Jazz have told us since, I mean, before the Rudy Gobert trade, we are not interested in trading Donovan Mitchell. We are not out shopping Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And once the Gobert trade happened, you had Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN a week later say, hey, the Jazz are not trading Donovan Mitchell. They're going to build around him, which is what the Jazz have been telling us for, for almost a year at this point. Since before the Rudy trade yeah, happened, and like so, well before that. And so the, the Rudy trade happens, and all of a sudden there's just wild speculation that this team is tearing it down and they're rebuilding. I will tell you again that I had a conversation over the weekend with a Jazz source who said, we've never been operating from a place of we're tearing it down, we're completely rebuilding. The, the Jazz have never been operating from a position where they are trying to put themselves in a place to get the number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. That's never been their goal. I'm going to say this again. Their goal has been to get their financial house in order, to acquire talent that allows them to compete, and to make financial sense of what had been completely a flip situation where you were paying an exorbitant amount of money and getting very little in return on the basketball floor for that money that you were putting out. That was their number one goal. They felt like with that Rudy Gobert deal that they were able to do that and they were able to get tremendous value in return in the form of draft picks. But Jared Vanderbilt is a guy that I think the Jazz want to hang on to. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at are they, you know, are the Jazz asking too much for their players? I actually don't think they are because I really don't think they want to trade Donovan Mitchell. I, I will maintain that. We have said that from day one. If you've listened to the show, I've never gotten the sense that the Jazz were out in the marketplace earnestly trying to make a Donovan Mitchell trade. That just hasn't been the position that they've been operating from, which is why Danny Ainge has consistently had a very, very high bar for Donovan Mitchell. I think they were from the jump trying to trade Rudy Gobert. And I think one of the reasons that they were able to get such a big, big return for Rudy Gobert was there were a lot of teams who valued Rudy's defense without necessarily valuing their offense. If you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, he fit right into a need, and you feel like he's the cherry on top of that cake. That's not the situation with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell fits with one team and only one team in the NBA, and that's the New York Knicks. And the problem for the Jazz and the Knicks, really, at this point is, Donovan Mitchell being traded to the Knicks doesn't make them a championship-caliber ball club. So for them to give up what the Jazz have asked for, which is a package of players centered around Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes with six first-round picks, doesn't make a lot of sense because the New York Knicks aren't then winning a championship. And Mm -hmm. to me, Jake, that's the biggest reason that I think this deal hasn't gotten done. Yeah, and I think the fascinating part of the of that process you just laid out about how Danny came in and then you know you saw the Gobert trade happen, but they made that trade you know, without, you know, without the thought process of, hey, we're tearing it down, that's not what they were trying to do. That's where I kind of think once the Gobert trade happened, that's where I think things went awry with the, like the public perception and the media of like what they were doing. And and I, and I also want to say, 
I think Danny Ainge knew that that was going to happen. And what I mean is, he he. I think Danny Ainge is savvy enough to have known, hey, I know the Utah marketplace, specifically the Salt Lake City marketplace. I know how fans and the media in this town are going to react. They're going to go right to, hey, we're burning this down, and then that's going to spread across the league. And then what have we seen? So Danny makes the Rudy Gobert trade. Absolutely, in my opinion, fleeces the Timberwolves, got a ton of value back, too much probably by league standards. And then now what have we had for, man, I mean, when did when did Rudy get traded? The 1st of July or the 1st of, uh, was it the 1st of July? 1st of July. Yeah, 1st of on July. On July 1st, Rudy Gobert got traded. You know, so now we're in a place where, what, what what's today's date? The 8th? I mean, it's been six weeks now and we haven't had anything happen really in the NBA outside of DeJounte Murray. And so my point is, what I'm getting to, is that Danny Ainge knew the waves he was going to create with that Rudy Gobert trade, and he's been happy to sit here on a price for Donovan Mitchell and let the league twist. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that that that's a position that the Jazz haven't really found themselves in for probably the longest time. I don't know what the number would be, but at least a decade. You haven't been in control. You haven't been in the catbird seat. And that's what I think the biggest win is right now. Well, and again, if you're just tuning into the show, we're talking about the latest details on the Jazz and the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. And the Utah Jazz told me over the weekend that they are planning and they are operating with the assumption that Donovan Mitchell is going to be on their roster. He will be a Jazz man when training camp opens. That's the way that they are operating. And I think the only thing from what I understand that can change that is if the New York Knicks dramatically come up in what they're offering for Donovan Mitchell. And I think the other thing that is so very clear right now is that Mike Conley has very little trade value across the NBA. Um, the Jazz are also intent on having um, Mike Conley in their camp. I mean, I think they realize that when training camp starts, there's a real good likelihood that, that Mike Conley is going to be a Jazz man as well. Uh, because they have found no suitors for him. There has been, whether it's no trade value, however you want to shape this conversation, mm -hmm. whether it's no trade value or they haven't gotten the value that they've set on Mike Conley, they have not been able to trade Mike Conley at this point. And again, this goes back to conversations that we've had. I think they have a Patrick Beverly trade in place. It's simply a matter of waiting for the, the moratorium on trading him, which is at the end of August. Once that date passes... The Utah Jazz have a trade in place, from what I understand, for Patrick Beverly. Mm -hmm. That deal will be consummated. I think if I had to guess now, I would put it at 70-30. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are Jazz men when training camp starts. And I think they look for a Mike Conley deal um, once you know the season starts and right up until the deadline. And I think Donovan Mitchell is very much going to depend on which way this team goes. Because if they come back to camp as they are constituted now, they're not going to win very many games because they're not going to be very good defensively. My guess is that as we get closer and closer to training camp, Danny Ainge will continue to remake this roster. Yeah. And I think somehow, some way, Boyan Bogdanovich is going to end up on the LA Lakers or the Miami Heat. And I think if that happens, the Jazz will be part of a three-team trade and it'll be interesting to see where they go. The other interesting thing is um, that my jazz sources told me over the weekend that they were not keen to pay off Russell Westbrook, mm -hmm. that there is not enough value in the marketplace for Russell Westbrook. Like, I mean, they're looking at two first round picks and I was told that they are not going to buy out Russell Westbrook if it's only two first round picks. Well, and I just don't think that Danny views the organization in that way. I, I think that you know, and, and again, this is kind of what I mean when I talk about, you know, hey, he made one trade and now everyone thinks they're burning it down, which I just disagree with. I don't I've always said 
I don't think, un until you trade Donovan Mitchell, you're not burning it down. You're just simply retooling. You're changing the way, you know, Donovan Mitchell essentially plays on the floor with the guys around him. So the idea that they would just take a salary dump in, in Westbrook just to pick up a couple of picks and as part of that ship out Donovan Mitchell never made a lot of sense to me. And I think that it's not a smart move with the, with the you know, the timeline and the workflow that you're on right now and, and furthermore what I'd also say about Conley and Bogey is it's not lost on anybody that those two had a bad year last year right and I think it's two different situations like I think with Mike Conley the league thinks that he's probably done the league thinks that he's probably you know at the end here I think with with Boyan Bogdanovich I think the league thinks hey this is a guy who is capable of throwing up 50 when we're suffering injuries but this is probably a guy whose best use is to put him in the corner on a contending team and let him knock down that three. And I think, you know, his talent, frankly, from being honest, watching all that jazz basketball last year, I feel like they wasted Boyan Bogdanovich's talent to a certain extent. He did not get enough touches consistently enough. He's not somebody that that was getting, I don't know, even five chances, eight chances to shoot the basketball on any given night, depending on who they were playing. So that's why I say I do think that they have, there's an opportunity to, to trade Bogdanovich if they want to, but I think Mike Conley is a trade deadline guy. You got to get him out there, get him going, let him have a great first half, and then move him at the deadline. That's what I think the plan would be. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at Mike Conley's situation, I, I think that Mike, I think Boyan Bogdanovich is, is in the same spot. Like, yeah. you've reached your crescendo with them. Right. Like you've reached your highest best to use for Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich. And I think Bogey's got value around the league. I think there are there are probably three, four teams um that are interested in him. And I think the Lakers would love to add him. I think the Lakers would really enjoy having Boyan Bogdanovich stand in the corner and knock down three point jumpers. Well, when's the last time they had a guy that could shoot at that rate? I mean, it's been since what, Cantavius, since the bubble? Or yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think the thing that that is so obvious when it comes to the Utah Jazz, is I just think they don't have a real desire to trade Donovan Mitchell. And I, I I go back to what we've talked about for months and months. It's going to take a Brinks truck to get Donovan Mitchell out of Utah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a month ago or so at this point, I was told that Danny Ainge would be derelict in his duty. He'd be irresponsible if he did not at least talk to the Knicks when you're talking about six draft picks. Yes, I mean, if you can get six draft picks for Donovan Mitchell, are you not making that deal? Mm -hmm. I would tell you, you have to make that deal. And if you're getting quickly Quentin Grimes and Toppin, I think you have to make that deal. And then you're going to take the veterans in return that make that deal financially available to you. Because remember, when you're in the, the situation that they're in, you have to take money back in return to balance that trade. So my feeling is that's probably a Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier kind of deal. That makes a lot of sense for the Utah Jazz. It makes a lot of sense to do that trade. It makes zero sense to do that trade for Evan Fournier, uh, you know, a, a, a Emmanuel quickly in three draft picks. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense because Donovan Mitchell is very clearly, very clearly working in earnest to prove a point this coming season. So you are in no hurry to trade him because if Don comes out and he averages 30 points and if Don comes out, look at all the tape of him working mid-range. Right. Look at all of the evidence that he is in spectacular shape. Look at how good he looks in Europe with Adidas right now. He looks, he's on a tour in Europe with Adidas, Donovan Mitchell is. Yeah. 
He looks phenomenal. I'm for real. He looks shredded. He looks stronger. He looks like a guy who's on the nutritional grind. He looks like a guy who's worked on his mid-range game. Donovan Mitchell's going to come out, and he's going to score 28 to 30 points a game. Right. Do you, a, you want that guy on your team. B, if he does that, what happens to his value? It skyrockets. Yep. So it makes sense for the Jazz to hold that bar exceptionally high because they don't want to trade him. And if they do trade him, they're going to get a haul in return. It just makes common sense to operate that the way the Jazz are operating. Yeah. So I feel good about it. Let's get yeah. your comments in here. Good morning to everybody watching the show. Happy Monday to you. Uh, this is the Monty Show. We are live every weekday. If you're new to the show, and I know we get a lot of new listeners on the show or viewers on the show every day on YouTube and on the podcast, we are live 6.30 Mountain Time, 8.30 Eastern Time. Um, and we can kind of go as long as we want to go. There are no rules. You know, there are no rules. Um, and hey, when you have partners like Barbecue Pit Stop and Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, you can kind of do whatever you want. So if you guys ever want kick it, we'll flow. That's what we're doing. We love your comments on the show. If you're here right now, please please give us a thumbs up. And if you're not already, please subscribe. Uh, we would love to have you as a subscriber on this show so that you see all of our content. Um, by the way, I see one of the contents asking us about the casuals group. Yes, casuals getting cut is a real thing. We actually started it. I think we have a we have 25 or 30 people in our group on Instagram. If you'd like to to join our fitness group, we're doing this cut getting in yes. shape. Yes. Um as we work hard to get ready for Hawaii and You know what today is, right? Today is what? Today is leg day, bro. Today is leg day. Today is so leg day. The grind's going to be real. You'll see some content on leg day. If you go back into our playlist, you'll see the casuals getting cut playlist here on YouTube. Um, there's a chest workout in there. Um, there is also, what's the other workout that's in there? There's you not being able to lift five pounds in a bench press, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a weakling. I, I don't really lift like at all. So, you know, we've got back day is our first is day one. Yeah, back, back, and, and shoulders. back and shoulders. Back and shoulders. That's right. And then we did we did bench. What do you bench? Yeah, yeah, not enough. I know. Thanks. By the way, I'm happy to tell you I'm not as old as you are. Yeah. Um, uh, Ruff's official. Good morning to you. He says, how can you tell someone is working on their uh, mid game from how they look? Well, you should listen to what I said, Ruff's official, and then you would know the answer uh, to that question. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, been a lot of video simple. of him. Of him, I mean, we played it. What does how he so, looks have to do with anything in his mid-range? Yeah, game? I mean, if you... So this is the beauty of YouTube. And, and again, I would say for all the new listeners as well, I would totally highly encourage you to, if you have time, to go back and check out what we said on July 1st about Rudy and, and all the other events that have happened. But, but if you have been watching the show, you know that uh, I think it was two weeks ago or so, we played a bunch of video of Donovan Mitchell uh, working with Chris Brickley on his mid-range game. Um, it's also been well noted that he's been working with his body guy, David Alexander. For those of you who don't know who David Alexander is, go ahead and Google him. World-renowned body guy, works with a ton of NBA guys. Um, Donovan's been working. There's no, there's just no doubt about it. I, and, and, I, and I think yeah. that, that that's what we need to see from him this offseason. What's up, James Knight? Good to see you. Uh, Daniel Sturgis, good to see you. Kurt Myers, Greg Hawkins. My guy's going to be stateside. It's like almost there's a disturbance in the force yes. when Greg Hawkins actually comes back to the U.S., so looking <laughs> forward to that, buddy. Shiron uh, 26 good to see you, my friend. Uh, Troy uh, Cushing says, good morning, Monty and Jake, the best jazz talk show. Keep up the great work. What's up, Troy? Appreciate you, Ryan Buckley. Appreciate you, Teddy Wayman. Uh, 
lot of people in this morning. By the way, uh, Greg Hawkins says Cam Rising better than Jaron Hall. Okay, we'll talk about we'll that. We'll get to up. that. We will get to that. We'll I talk about you. that coming up here. Um, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Uh, let's see. Tanner Plummer says, morning, guys. Thanks for doing the show. Appreciate you. Uh, good morning from the East Coast. Top Junkie says, what's up? Give me some news that brings Donovan Mitchell home to Connecticut and the Knicks. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Here's the soon. tough thing. Here's a tough thing. And, and you know, I, honestly, like I would love I would love nothing more than to get any type of news out of the NBA. I'm not even just talking Utah Jazz like anything. That's what I mean when I say, hey. Danny Ainge did the Rudy Gobert deal. He knew what he was doing. He knew the waves he would create. He knew how it would affect the league. And now we're here with, uh, what, uh, weeks, just weeks left until camp starts again, right? Like, I think it's just the control factor that Danny Ainge has right now is is truly incredible, in my opinion. It is. And I, and I think he's he's exerting that. Uh, M. Alvarez, good morning to you. He says, great weekend cut. Yes, indeed it was. Yes. Rudy Sanchez says that Jazz need to keep Mitchell no matter what, unless the Jazz get another star because of all these future draft picks are not guaranteed victories. Yeah, and I think that's what I think that's what the Jazz are doing. I mean, they're they're telling the Knicks, hey, you want to give us six picks and four players, let's roll. And if you don't, we'll take Donovan Mitchell to training camp. That's and isn't that how it should be, though? Yes. That's how it should be. I, I think there's been a lot of conversation around like Hey, Danny's asking for too much. Like, why would he ask for this much if they want to trade him? Because they don't actually want to trade him. They, If they're going to trade him, it has to be for some ridiculous price. It, it is, makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Spencer Morgan says, what about the reports of a three-way trade with Westbrook, the Lakers, with the Lakers involving Westbrook? May not happen, but the reports are that Jazz are prioritizing picks and young players on short contracts. I I, my my, I mean, my problem with, with that specific report, Spencer, is that, and this is kind of what I was saying a couple minutes ago, Danny Ainge doesn't view the Utah Jazz and, and, and specifically doesn't view their situation and where they are. He doesn't view them as a buyout team. That He doesn't, you're not, you're not, because the problem is in that deal, you would be shipping out Don as part of that deal. Yeah. So you're telling me that, that Danny's price is here. But then Danny, according to this report, is going to be willing to, you know, bring on Westbrook and buy him out, send out Don and pick up two picks. Send out Don and Bogdanovich like, like that, and only get two first-round picks. That doesn't align picks. with what the goal is. Why would you make that trade when you can trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks for, yeah. for their offering three, three first-round picks, a young player and a veteran? Why would it just doesn't make sense, dude? And by the way, I'd also say to your to the to the point you made about the Jazz prioritizing picks and in specific type of contracts. I think Danny Ainge doesn't really care what type of contract it is, as long as he has flexibility within the cap and as long as they have cap space. That's what Danny Ainge prioritizes. Yeah, I I mean it's pretty obvious they want they want younger talent. I mean they're not out looking to acquire veterans. I mean their only interest in Russell Westbrook, from what I understand is to buy him out. They would not want him on their roster. Yeah. So I don't see that that makes a whole lot of sense. And I think there's a lot of wild rumors out there. We hear some of the things that we hear that we don't. It's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. The rumors that float around the Utah Jazz, and it's shocking to me that Jazz fans latch on to, oh my God, they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook in a, in a ninth round pick in 15 years. Like this ridiculousness about, well, they want to trade Donovan Mitchell now because he's going to walk away in 2025. <laughs> like that's shocking to me that that was something <laughs> jazz fans believed in. Come on. That's crazy to me. You're not, 
you're not trading Donovan Mitchell because of something that's going to happen after three full seasons. Nobody, and you said this Friday, nobody operates that way. Not a single individual in the NBA operates that way. You have to really take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt. And whether we're right or wrong or what have you, I think you, if you watch this show for any amount of time, I think you would have to understand that we don't just report everything we hear. Yeah. We're not like, this is not the throw it against the wall and hope it sticks show. I think what we have proven over time is we're pretty responsible with the rumors we get because we don't just report one-off rumors that, and I think there's a lot of that going on around the NBA. Like this Kevin, this Kevin Durant situation in Brooklyn. Yeah. This is crazy. Like, there is Rick Buecher the other day reported a rumor um, that basically said, hey, Kevin Durant demanded a trade because Ben Simmons left a group, a team group chat, like a text group. He Bro, left that group. About, man? Kevin Durant had, a, ha- had had enough. He requested a trade. It's like you really think Kevin Durant's walking away from the Brooklyn Nets because Ben Simmons left a, a group text. That's what you think is happening. Yeah, apparently. And, and I know that Kevin Durant is a guy that likes WhatsApp and they use team chats. And Kevin Durant is not walking away from the Nets over Ben Simmons leaving a text chat. Yeah. Like, that's not happening. Like, it, you just have to be careful with the stuff that's being reported. By the way, what yeah. do you think is going to happen with your boy, Kevin Durant? Yeah, I mean, according to reports, he met with Joe Sy. You know, that that meeting that we were kind of talking about last week apparently did happen. And apparently, allegedly, uh, Kevin Durant reaffirmed his desire to to be traded. So I I, I would if that's true, I'd be surprised if Kevin Durant was still Brooklyn Net when camp hits. Uh, But I, I just think when we look at the business in the NBA and how things are going, particularly how slow they're going, I could also very easily see a scenario where Kevin Durant is in camp as a net and they trade him at the deadline. I could see that happening because again, and this is kind of the same thing that's happening with the jazz, I guess Joe Sy and in, in, in that front office group are asking a ton for Kevin Durant. And I think that when you ask that much, you're asking for trouble. You're, you're basically putting yourself in a position where you're, you're saying, Hey, we're going to ask a ton and we're happy to have an upset Kevin Durant on our team, I guess, you know? So that's why I say they're either going to have to back that price down or they're going to have to be willing to hold their water uh, and have, a, a, frankly, a malcontent on their team for a while. And, you know, I, I don't know if you're Kevin Durant, what your answer is. Is Kevin Durant the sit-out guy? Is Kevin Durant the play-through-it guy? And, you know, frankly, excuse my language, be an asshole guy. Like, hey, I'm going to play through this. I'm here for me. That's it. Like, be that guy all year. Like, I don't know. We've never seen it out of Katie. So I don't know what he's going to do. But if you ask me, hey, what do I think is going to happen? I think that that they will move him somehow, some way before the season starts. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't see how that trade happens. I mean, they're so, again, I just ask who's going to make that trade. Who's, well, I think the who's Nets, got the assets to make that deal? The Nets are going to have to come down on on price. I think I think it, what when it's Kevin Durant because so this is the difference. Donovan Mitchell is not on the Kevin Durant LeBron level in the league. When you're Kevin Durant, you have power, you have influence, you can you can do things as a player. And I just think that it's just not feasible for a franchise to to sit there and have you upset half the season. My feeling is they will not trade him before the deadline. And I don't think Kevin Durant's a guy you trade midseason. 
I don't. I, I That whole situation has been perplexing from the beginning. Like that was a, the Ben Simmons trade made very little sense when it happened. Like I understand why they traded James Harden, but if James Harden is truly in the shape that he appears to be in, and if James Harden can be any, sh- if he can be 25 points, the Sixers are probably going to win a championship with that roster. I wow. mean, with the way that Tyrese Maxey's playing, with the way that, you know, the health that we saw from Joel Embiid at the end of this year, with James Harden losing weight, looking like he is really working on his game. Like, when you look at the way these guys work in the offseason, they show you very particular tape. They do not, and, and I understand that, and you got to take it with a grain of salt. I totally agree. You look at the body transformation on two guys, Kyle Lowry and James Harden. And both of those guys were, well, they were. First team all fat ass. But I'm telling you, you look at James Harden now, and he looks like a different body type. He looks like a guy. And that's why I say about Kevin Durant, like these trades, how many of these guys in the NBA are on prove-it deals now? Here's my deal, though, with James Harden. And, And I don't disagree with anything you said outside of the championship thing. That's, I think, James Harden's biggest problem. He's never proven to be a guy that can carry a team to the promised land. If you got to the NBA Finals and you lost, okay, that's one thing. Totally get it. It's the NBA Finals that's going to happen. But you haven't, like, you haven't even gotten to, like, you know, close to the NBA Finals. Like, the closest you got was, I think, the Western Conference Finals against the Dubs, and you flamed out. You went 0 for 27. And that's the tough part for me with James. I just think that... With Kevin, at least you can say, okay, yeah, this guy's won. He's been there. Yes, did he ring chase? Sure. But at least he can say he's been there. He's won. He's done things. That's the biggest difference between these two. And that's why I say someone has to give in the Nets Kevin Durant situation. Either the Nets are going to give, they're going to lower their price a bit in an effort to get a deal done, or Kevin Durant, frankly, is just going to have to to stick it out. That's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to play through it. And, and just continue to, to do him. But see, I think the biggest issue is the Sixers cap. Like Tobias Harris at $37 million. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a huge contract. I mean, you but you look at Joe, you look at P.J. Tucker. Um, like, I mean, they're, they've added, like, they've added quite a bit. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they, if they are somebody that comes back and you feel better about their about their situation. Like I I look at some of the numbers that they are that they are that they have on their cap right now. Like PJ Tucker at 10 million bucks is a really nice ad for them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like I, I, I look at some of the things that they have done there. And if if you look at some of the numbers and I believe heavily in Tyrese Maxey. I, I really yeah. do. I think I think his game translates so like I could see James Harden winning a championship with that team because I don't think he's going to be their second best player I think Tyrese Maxey and and Joel Embiid are going to be their top two players this coming season I look at Brooklyn I don't know what you do Uh, Kevin Durant's not the issue there it's Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. I mean Kyrie Irving and his BS I'll see you in training camp thing that he did with his opt-in was embarrassing yeah Frankly, it showed a lot about who his character is. Oh, what a loser. Yeah, it, that's what it feels like. So I think Brooklyn is in a bad situation. And if you don't trade Kevin Durant now, I don't see how you make that trade in, in the season. You're not trading Kevin Durant in the season. Like, that just doesn't. But this is what we said about James Harden, you know? 
Like, I don't disagree. Logically speaking, but it wouldn't make sense to James trade him James Harden's season. never been Kevin Durant. I James agree. James Harden's never been. James Harden was a problem for the Nets. You had you had a problem in Philly and you had a problem in Brooklyn and they solved those problems mm -hmm. conceivably at that point. Obviously, it didn't work out for either side. That much is very clear. But if I'm Brooklyn, the, the, the thing you have to ask yourself is if we start the season, isn't the worst case scenario for the Brooklyn Nets if they start the season with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and they're the best team in the East? Yeah, it's a problem. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Because what if Kevin Durant still wants a trade? What if Kyrie Irving's, you know, the typical jerk that we think he is, mm -hmm. and he still wants a trade? Like, I, I, you're in, oh, are you going to, what story are you going to tell the fans when you trade Kevin Durant middle of the season when they're a top three team in the East? Because they will be. They will be. I just don't think you can do it. You trade Kevin Durant now, or you don't trade him until next yes, summer. Yes, yes. And next summer, by the way, I think there's it's going to be a lot more. You're going to be a lot more able to make bigger trades because of who's going to be a free agent. Yeah, I I would, and this brings me back to the Lakers and LeBron James. Which, Look at this situation. Are you going to extend LeBron James, and are you going to pay him ninety plus million dollars over two years? Because at no, his no, age, no. well, at his age, he's eligible for a two year max extension, and the Lakers have not signed him or offered him a contract extension. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I would make him prove it. I Because, see, he's a guy that the team has ultimate control of. If you don't win a championship this year, why are you bringing him back? You are absolutely foobar on your salary cap if you're the Lakers. You have no flexibility. You're paying guys who cannot produce for you in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So let's say you bring them back. They win a championship this year. Great. Back up the Brinks truck. Give LeBron whatever he wants. Go get Bronny. Okay, everything's great. Right. But if he plays 40 games this year because he, his body breaks down, if Anthony Davis plays 30 mm -hmm. and you're out of the playoffs again, what possible good could a two-year extension at like 90-plus million dollars do for the Lakers? That's not what we're about. That doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. to me. So when I look at, at this Kevin Durant situation where everybody's like, oh, he demanded a trade because of a text group, or I think we don't know a ton that goes on behind the scenes. I think Kevin Durant goes to camp with with – the Brooklyn Nets on that particular thing. What would you? Yeah, what would I mean, you I think that I, I think it's just difficult, dude. Like, yeah, I think he probably does go to camp because I think that the Nets are not going to come down on their price. But I think what can expedite the process is Kevin Durant being a pain in their ass. Like, that's what I think expedites the process. Unfortunately, I think Kevin Durant. You know, I don't even know that it's sitting out. Frankly, I think it would be playing. But it's like the old Kobe thing. Kobe being all pissed off at the Lakers, so what did he do? He played, but he wouldn't take a shot, right? I'm not well, saying you can do that all year, but I'm saying there are things like that as one of the best players in the league that you can do. And so really it just comes down to, and this would fall into things we don't know because they're behind the scenes, but it really comes down to how bad does Kevin Durant want to be traded? How bad does he want to be moved? Is he desperate? Is it just something that he wants but like isn't hell-bent on? Like I, I don't know, but my point is is that when we talk about what they're going to do with Kevin Durant, it, I, 
it depends on where Kevin is. If Kevin is like, hey, I'm going to sit out the whole season until you trade me, then yeah, they're probably going to trade him before the season starts. If Kevin says, I'll play, but I want to be traded by the end of the year, then obviously he's going to play and they'll go about their business. I just think it's one of those things where we don't know what Kevin's sentiment is. And I think ultimately that's what defines how quickly they will trade him. All right, let's get your comments in here as we talk about the biggest stories in the NBA. If you're just tuning in this morning, um, some of the stories that we're covering, obviously uh, we're talking Utah Jazz basketball this morning as we're based in Salt Lake City. Um, there are new details on the Jazz and the Knicks attempts to make a deal. Um, a lot of people have said that the, the Knicks and Jazz have not talked in a month. I'm here to tell you that's not true. They talked several times last week. They have gotten no closer to a deal. No deal for Donovan Mitchell is imminent or close at this point. And I was told by Jazz sources over the weekend that they are planning and they are you know, proceeding forward as though Donovan Mitchell is going to be in training camp with the Utah Jazz uh, come the end of September. So it does not appear at this point that the Utah Jazz and the Knicks are close to making a deal. And it seems the only thing that would change that situation is that the, the Knicks somehow find an appetite to move up their offer significantly because Danny Ainge has not come off of the fact that Quentin Grimes and six first-round picks is a starting point for a Donovan Mitchell trade. And I Are we think, clear on that? I think what Danny Ainge would like is he would like Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Cam Reddish, along with six first-round picks. And the Knicks have not gotten anywhere close mm -hmm. to that deal. So does this trade happen? My guess is you're 70-30, 75-25, that Donovan Mitchell is going to wear the note for training camp this year. I would guess he would be a jazz man when training camp opens. Um, and the other thing I think is pretty significant is the Utah Jazz have no interested teams in, in their efforts to trade Mike Conley they have two interested teams in the Lakers and Heat, supposedly interested in Boyan Bogdanovich. They have deals that they can make. I was mm -hmm. also told over the weekend that the Jazz have a deal in place if they'd like to make it uh, for Patrick Beverly. So we'll see what happens in those situations. But the Jazz certainly have not changed their ask uh, on, on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let's see. Kaiser Soze 718 says, guys... <laughs> Come on, man. Even on the decline, KD is better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I think right now, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think that Kevin Durant's the best scorer in the NBA. Yeah, I, don't, I, think I wouldn't he's the best say that he's declining yet. I, I think that he's probably got two to three seasons left at this level. Yeah. Ruff's official says if the Jazz are intent or were intent on keeping Don, the Jazz would say that. Why would they say that? Why would they say that? This is, I love this argument. This is just such a, a, why would they come out and say we're keeping Donovan Mitchell? What's the point of that? How does that benefit What's them? What's the win for them in saying we're trading Donovan Mitchell? What's the win for the Jazz coming out and saying anything anything publicly? What's the win for Donovan Mitchell? We had this conversation last week. I want to stay in Salt Lake City. How'd that work out for Rudy Gobert? It doesn't. There's no good to it. Because A, the Jazz don't have a, a good relationship with the media in this town. So they really don't have anybody that helps them. So who are they going to go to? Is Danny Ainge going to go do talking sports all of a sudden? What, wh how would that work, right? Like, why do you think Ryan Smith has not said two words to anybody all summer? Not two flipping words Yeah. all summer. What jazz executive has done an interview this summer? Not a single one. 
Why would they do that? There's no upside. None. Even when they introduced their draft picks, even what did they say? Absolutely nothing. You know, why would they? It makes no sense for them to say, oh, yeah, um, they, they we're keeping Don. Why would they say that? And by the way, what's the only thing they did say? Justin Zanuck all those weeks ago now, there's no intent to trade Donovan Mitchell. Justin Zanuck, the general manager of the Jazz said. Mm -hmm. like, it, I'm not it, trying to be cryptic. And now everybody knows you've talked to the Jazz for the la or to the Knicks for the last six weeks. How's that make you look? Like there's no winning when you speak publicly. If Don was intent on staying, he would say that. Don will be traded. I, it just... Same same thing. It makes no sense, Ruff. None at all. Eric and Raleigh, good morning to you, friend. He says, Kevin Durant is not the, quote, play through it guy. Well, now with load management, why would you play through it at all? There's no reason to. And I think if you are Kevin Durant and you're on the Heat or the Suns or the Warriors... Did he not play through it with the Warriors? Yeah. I, to the point where his Achilles shredded? Yeah, I think he is, frankly, I think, the play through a guy. <laughs> I, think, I think he's more than you think he is. Kanai Johnson, what's up? Ainge gets the credit he is due. It's not his fault the Timberwolves traded the farm for Rudy Gobert. It's not his fault at all. Nope. It, it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Kaiser Souza 718 says, if I were the Knicks GM, I would rather try to get KD or a player with more size. Well, the problem is Kevin Durant doesn't make you a championship contender. They're multiple pieces away. And they're multiple developmental years away from winning a championship in New York. And I don't know if that happens soon or not. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, we all know what's going to happen to KD. He's going to try and get a contender in order to get another ring. Okay, well, why is that a problem? And isn't he on a contender now with Brooklyn? So you got to stop. We... we we have to stop criticizing guys for being ring chasers. Hey, guys. What do you want guys to do? Not win championships? Hey, I'm going to stay with one franchise. Damian Lillard. I'm going to stay with Portland, even though we have no chance to win a championship. <clears throat> I'm going to stay with Orlando. I'm going to stay with whoever has no chance to win a championship. Why is it a bad thing that guys are out trying to win rings? I still don't understand that. Pudge NYC, what's up? He says, KD has business ventures in New York City. He's staying on Nets or Knicks. Could be. He's not going to the Knicks. I That would be shocking yeah. if he ended up with the Knicks. Uh, let's see. Hazansky Gaming says, TikTok, TikTok, wait till the deadline. You're going to get Evan, Cam, and three picks if you wait till long. I, I think the Knicks and Jazz make a trade now or they don't make a trade. Yeah. Uh, this is... This is the, the, the negotiations between the Jazz and the Knicks have been described to me as contentious at times. Yeah. And that Leon Rose is incredibly frustrated with Danny Ainge because Danny just won't budge. No, and I guess not. The, I think that's an indicator of a lot of things. But I think that Leon Rose is as savvy as an operator as, as Danny. He's proven that he's not going to make a trade that's not good for the Knicks. And I, I actually think... If you're a Knicks fan, you're in good hands with Leon Rose. Yeah. I think he's handled this exceptionally well. If you're a Knicks fan, I'd feel very good about what, what Leon's doing. Um, let's see. Cash Out James says, go ahead and take two first-round picks with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Like, no. and that's, but that's, no. that's actually a really good point. Like, 
if you don't make a trade with the Knicks, who are you going to make a trade with for Donovan Mitchell? Well, I think you have to wait. What what none of us are talking about is Donovan Mitchell's value is going to go up, assuming that he has he 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 proves it this year, and that's what I think you can't measure yet. That's what I think you can't. Well, like, and he's only twenty five years old. Yeah, I, I I just think there's no you can't measure right now. Like, hey, how what is the league's perception of Donovan Mitchell going to be when he's yeah got got twenty eight to thirty a night? He's he's you know doing eight to nine dimes a night. Like when his numbers go up, you know how does the league view him? Because I think right now the league is saying, hey, you know this guy is is not grade a material this guy is a second cut player and we're not giving you six picks and three players for that kind of guy so that's why i say give it time uh let's see caa mafia says durant is probably worth seven first round picks and utah wants six for spider lol like come on what is spider michael jordan but this well, is my point stop having the conversation from a how much is he worth standpoint that's not the conversation it no, hasn't been bro not at the all conversation is danny doesn't want to trade him <laughs> like we have to stop we can't forget this dynamic everyone wants to just approach it from well they're asking some ridiculous price for Donovan Mitchell. They really think he's worth that much? No. No, they don't. What they think is they don't really want to trade him. And if a trade is going to happen, a team's going to have to get silly with it. That's what that's the situation we're talking about. So let's stop with, hey, what do they the, this whole assertion that they think Donovan Mitchell is Michael Jordan or whatever the hell was just said. That's not what's happening here. Not at all. I just think Danny Ainge knows what he's got, and he's got the ability to do whatever he wants. I mean, yeah. this is Danny Ainge's team. Why would he take anything less than what he wants? Uh, Kaiser Souza says, so y'all say the Nets need to come down on the price, but the Jazz shouldn't? I think it's if, if you're the situations. Nets, yeah, the problem is you have one of the best players in the history of the NBA telling you he doesn't want to play for you anymore. And he's not 25, and he's a guy that's had several significant injuries. Kevin Durant's at a completely different time and space in his career than Donovan Mitchell. Don is 25. He's proven nothing. And he's a guy that the Knicks really want. Why would you lower your asking price? Because you don't really want to trade him, but you would trade him if you got an offer that blows your doors off. If you're the Nets, you're in a situation where you don't have flexibility because you don't have salary cap space. You're locked in with Kyrie Irving. Um, and you're in a situation where Kevin Durant's come to you and said, I'd really like to get out of here. And I'd really like to be traded. And you went public, again, reason number one million not to talk to the media. Yeah. You went public and said you're going to do everything you can do to work with Kevin Durant to make a trade. And you still haven't made a trade. And now he's met with Joe Sy, the owner, and by all indications, renewed his trade demand. I want it. So you talking to the media did absolutely no good. So you're in a situation where I agree with you, Jake, that I think the Nets have to, have to trade Kevin Durant now or you're not going to be able to do that. And it's crazy. This is one of those rare situations where if you win, you lose. Yes. If the Nets if the Nets are a top three team in the East, come the trade deadline, now what? Now what? Are you going all in? Are you trying to sell Kevin Durant when he had Kevin Durant when he hasn't been a buyer of anything you've been selling well, for two months now? I don't think you're going to have the ability to do that. Let me pose this question. What happens if they are, a, 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 let's say, a three seed in the East? Right. Does Kevin Durant's, you know, thought process on leaving change? If they're winning, is there is there a situation where Kevin could withdraw his trade demand for for now? Like that's what I think is really interesting and at play. And and that's why I say 
The Don situation and the KD situation are completely different. Don hasn't asked for a trade. Kevin's asked for a trade. Don is not a top-tier player. Kevin is a top-tier player, right? Like, Don Don is still playing for the first team he's ever played for. Kevin's been on, like, eight teams or whatever the hell it is, or six teams. I can't even remember now. But my point is is that it's two different situations. So it's not that, you know, we're saying that the, 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 the Jazz somehow – you know, have a better player in Donovan Mitchell over Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that Danny has immense leverage over the Knicks, and Danny doesn't have to move on anything until he wants to. That's the difference. The Nets have to move on this. The Nets have to get something done if it is true. The reports that have come out that have said, hey, Kevin Durant renewed his trade request with Joe Sy over the weekend. If that's true, because I'm not 100% convinced, but if that's true, the Nets have to move. That's the difference. It's not hard to understand. Yeah, I don't see why we can't look at these situations as two very different, very unique situations where I simply believe Donovan Mitchell can bring you a larger return because you don't have to trade him. I think Kevin Durant's going to bring you a smaller return because I actually think you have to trade him now. It's leverage, man. Who has the leverage yeah. in the situation? I, 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 This is not confusing. Uh, ON says, delusion at its finest. Nets take less for KD after signing a four-year deal. The four-year deal is what helps you on Kevin Durant. It's not what hurts you. That four-year deal for the club you're moving him on to helps you because and I also think one of the things that you have to talk about is how is this going to change the CBA that's coming up for negotiation? Mm -hmm. The collective bargaining agreement, the contract between the players and the owners. This Kevin Durant situation is going to change those those negotiations. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any, there's any doubt about that. It's going to change the tenor and the tone of those negotiations. Uh, let's see. Cody Strickland says, got to go, boys. Need, to, uh, need the beats for the gym. Well, All right, Cody, buddy. Go get, get that, my man. Go get that. Absolutely, you should go get that. Um, I did miss one earlier. My apologies. Uh, true story. Jay gives us a $5 tip and says, you not getting six picks and picking the player you want. Find a team who can give you the picks the Knicks can. You want four picks in Grimes, Cam, and Evan. You don't want, you don't want Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier on the Jazz. The Jazz don't want those two players. I think what the Jazz want is I think they want six picks. They want Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> that's what they want. And now, is that what you get? No, but that's what they want. And if the, the Knicks want to truly want to trade him or trade for Donovan Mitchell, they're going to have to give this, Danny what dude, he wants. Dude, this is like buying a car. I hope we all understand this. Like, Because I don't feel like a lot of people in the comments are picking up what we're explaining here. Danny Ainge does not need to move Donovan Mitchell. I do not need, when I go into a car dealership, to buy the car that day, right? So when you go in and buy a car, the way you should be negotiating that is you should say, hey, this is the price I want to buy it for. This is the price I want my trade to be. Take it or leave it. And if they say leave it, then walk out. And magically, what do you know? Five minutes later, they're able to do the deal. It's incredible how that shifts, isn't it? So, what, so the point is, is that Danny Ainge is not going to 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 come off of his price because he does not have a trade request from Donovan Mitchell. He has no pressure to trade Donovan Mitchell. There's no reason for him to trade Donovan Mitchell at this time, especially when you see the kind of work Don's been putting in. So so I say it's not about 
the conversation is not about, oh, is Donovan worth this or worth that and Kevin's worth this or worth that. That's not the conversation we're having. We're having a conversation about leverage. Danny has leverage. Joe Sy and that ownership group and that front office do not have leverage, and that's the difference. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I do. I, I leverage is the whole deal. Mike Maple said, "Good morning, guys. Kept it real since the off season started. Thank you for consistent truth and entertainment, keeping me looking smarter at work every day." <laughs> Atta boy. It's what we Atta do. boy. It's what we do. I we was, set you up for success. I was talking to um, Emmanuel at the gym on. I guess it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guy Emmanuel, okay. who. What, who turns out was a listener to the show, and we actually lifted some weight together yesterday. You know, um, Emmanuel, I appreciate you. And he was saying the scary thing is, is that if the Jazz keep this roster together, they'll score as many points as anybody that they play. Oh yeah, and that's absolutely Emmanuel. You're exactly right. They'll score at, with anybody. They're just not going to be able to stop anybody. And that's why I'm saying you're going to get a different... And this is why I think Don's going to have a huge year. You're getting a different setup for Donovan Mitchell. You're not in this this offense that, that you know, with all due respect to Quinn Snyder, suffocated Donovan Mitchell. Put, like, allowed the defense to double Don all the time. Like, allowed... Uh, just allowed a situation that didn't allow Donovan to thrive. But now, you're going to play in an offense where you legit... I have no problem saying you should score. 115, 120 a night. I would expect that out of this team. Now, you can't stop anybody, sure, but the Brooklyn Nets couldn't stop anybody either, and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? So my yeah. point just is, is I'm not saying that they'll be that good. They're not going to be Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Net good, but would anybody be surprised if the Jazz rolled up as a nine seed in the postseason and not got through all. the play-in? Would not anyone be surprised if... They were a seven seed. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's what I'm saying. They are not rebuilding. They are not rebuilding. They are retooling. Big difference. JJ47K says if Mitchell is worth six picks, then Giannis must be worth a decade worth of draft picks. But again, it, this is, see, this is, I, you know, and again, I don't know if you guys are just joking or, or what the deal is, but this is not rocket science. No. It's not rocket science. Donovan Mitchell is not worth six, six picks straight up. Like, everyone knows that. But that's not the conversation we're having. No, it's what are the Knicks willing to pay? Yeah. That's what Donovan Mitchell's worth. Yeah. Uh, CAA Mafia says, for Jazz fans, what is walking away from six picks before the most stacked draft? You aren't winning with Spida, so why hold on to him? Less time on contract, uh, the less you get. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, if you are going to trade Donovan Mitchell, you are positioning yourself for the draft. So the draft pick I think is incredibly important because I also think what it does is it gives you the opportunity to trade for a veteran because this is not an organization that has a long history of signing big name free agents, right? No, I guess not. You're not the Lakers, Knicks, Nets. You're not those guys. But what you are is a team that can trade because you have leverage and you have that leverage in the form of draft picks. That's why Danny is asking for so many draft picks. Yeah, It's not a matter of what Giannis is worth versus Don. That's a ridiculous conversation because they're not worth nearly the same thing as Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell are not worth nearly the same thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. L channel says that jazz does not have the leverage. The Knicks can stay pat. Well, the problem is it's, it, the I've Knicks always and loved the, this. The Knicks and the jazz leverage is such a funny thing. Yeah. The jazz don't have to do anything. So Leon Rose does not have a star on his roster. 
No. He does not. And by the way, one of the other things that I, I, I talked about with somebody over the weekend, an NBA source that I know, they don't want Julius Randle on their roster anymore. They just don't. And they, the problem is the Jazz have no appetite. None. Zero desire. He's a bum. Want for Julius Randle. None. So if you're if you're the Knicks, the, the problem that you have is the veterans on your roster solve no issues for the Jazz. Yeah. If you're the Jazz, the problem is the Knicks are not the same old Knicks. Leon Rose has done a very good job to this point, in my opinion. So I and that's why I say I don't know that there's a deal to be made between these two teams. Because I I I think it's been contentious between Danny and, and Leon Rose. It has been described to me that Leon Rose is is frustrated with Danny Ainge because Danny hasn't, and I agree, it's an unreasonable asking price for Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. But help me understand why you would lower it. Donovan <laughs> has not asked for a trade. Donovan has not demanded a trade. Donovan has not said two words about not wanting to be in Salt Lake City. That's all made up conjecture and opinion. You don't have to trade this guy. There's no pressure from the Jazz side of this to trade Donovan Mitchell. None whatsoever. I think if it, if one side has more leverage than the other, it's not by much. It is, it is not by much. It's a very even situation where the Knicks have the assets to go do just about anything they want. The Jazz have the assets to go do just about anything they want. And neither side needs to make this deal. Yeah. It's a want-to deal. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. There's no reason for either side to be married to this trade. And I think that logic applies to the league right now. The Kevin Durant thing is a want-to thing for teams other than the Nets. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it absolutely is a want-to trade. Uh, cash out, James says, Danny has no leverage. Stop with the lies, please. Okay, cash out. He has no leverage whatsoever. I mean, they're, they're yeah. The Jazz are pathetic. They're the worst they're organization screwed. in the like, league. I mean, wow. It's I, really, I, you know, I don't know what you do. Danny God has, bless the Knicks. Danny has no leverage. That's why he got eighty-seven thousand picks for Rudy Gobert. Cold blooded clean. Oh, he has, has no leverage at all. They traded forty-one million dollars worth of Rudy Gobert's zero offensive ability, and they got six picks. Walker Kessler. They got a guy in Patrick Beverly who seven teams Malik Beasley have called about. Malik Beasley, another guy with value. Jared Vanderbilt. Who I think the Jazz want to keep. Final. Wow, they don't have any leverage. No. We're, I mean, it's embarrassing. We've you know? got to stop sitting here making up lies and shit. Yeah. Like, it's a, I, I just can't believe that. It's truly incredible. Get out of here. Like, it, it, Danny has no leverage. It, you, you're, you, it drives me crazy. Like when you say stuff like Danny has no leverage, yeah, it just tells me who you are and and what you know about basketball. Uh, Brooklyn Buddha says your analogy describes Leon Rose's position because I think they're in very similar positions. Leon Rose has a lot of draft capital. Everybody mocked the Knicks because of the deals they made on draft night. Well, for once, it looks like the Knicks had a plan. And it's not Isaiah Thomas pulling the strings. It's Leon Rose. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I've said for weeks, I think Leon Rose has proven himself. Because it's all part of the plan. To be a savvy operator. And neither one of these guys, the, the thing that I think people have to understand is neither one of these guys, Leon Rose or Danny Ainge, the Knicks and the Jazz, neither one of them are in a desperate have-to situation. 
who would you rather be, the Knicks or the Nets? Right now, I think I'd rather be the Knicks. If we're if we're truth telling, I, I don't want a complete malcontent and and then one of the best players in the league demanding a trade publicly. The Knicks are probably in a better situation, probably because they got to prove that they're not the same old Knicks. But I think Leon Rose has done a good job with it. Uh, John Jackson said a year ago you talked about how important Ryan uh, for Ryan to build the front office this summer is showing how he'll. He's doing Rudy trade, huge deal. New young coach looking for the, uh, looking at long-term. I think Ryan's done a really good job of bringing guys in. Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Of bringing guys in who know what he doesn't know. Who can do what he wants to do, but has never done and doesn't know how to do. That's Danny Ainge. He's done a really good job of letting his basketball guys Handle the business of basketball. Now, I wish he would do a TV deal. I wish the Utah Jazz would do a TV deal. I wish they would create unique one-off content that wasn't what they did with the uniform release because that was terrible. <laughs> I wish they didn't have terrible uniforms that were bungled. garbage. And so we're a year away from the Purple Mountains. Like, I wish that you had done a better job with that. Just release the Purple Mountains immediately. I wish that the Jazz... I wish that the Jazz had a better, what's the right way to say this? I wish the Jazz were in a better position to create good content. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Because they're not. The TV deal, the lack of a real quality streaming, you know, like anything native one-off content. I wish that existed. I really hope we're not on AT&T Sportsnet again this year. I really hope. Somehow I think we will be. You're a billionaire, bro. Spend some of that bread and start a TV channel that people care about. Do a deal. Hey, man, if you got to do a deal, you're already in bed with KSL. Put all your games on KSL TV locally. Y'all feel me? Do a deal. That would be a smashing success in Salt Lake. You've got to have your games on TV where all of your fans in Salt Lake City can see them. Yeah. Because I got to be honest with you. I don't watch local jazz basketball. I watch the visiting broadcast nine out of 10 nights on the, on the, the league pass. I, I subscribe to direct TV league pass. I watch the visiting broadcast. Y'all feel me? I don't have to watch AT&T sports So I don't. Yeah. That's the situation you're in. Put it, do a deal with somebody somehow, some way that forces me to watch and God, please don't Holly Rowe. And Craig Bowlerjack, because nobody wants that deal. Back is broken. Right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, like, the, the amazing thing is that I think Ryan Smith hasn't done a bad job. Yeah. He has not done a bad job. He just hasn't, he hasn't knocked it out of the park. And one of the hard parts about being a billionaire is just because you have money doesn't mean you have success. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes time as an owner who's never really owned anything like this, I think it takes time to, to, and it takes failure, frankly. Anytime you're trying to do something in business, anytime you're trying to do something you've never done, failure is an important part of the recipe for success. Right. And so he's failing with this Jersey thing. He's failing with his TV thing. In my opinion, he's failing with his radio thing. The Jazz should not be on the zone. The Jazz should be on KSL Radio. Yes. That's the reality of it, right? 
you're in bed with KSL. Bonneville, who owns KSL, manages his own sports networks now. Be better. You have you have a radio broadcast that, frankly, is probably more listenable than the, the TV broadcast. Oh, I completely you know, agree. Like, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I know we get comments all the time. People saying, hey, like, I watch the, the, the physical game on TV, but I have the radio, you know, playing for my for the play-by-play. Yeah. We get that all the time on this show. Like, people say that all the time in season, and I think that it's it's just frustrating because you're an NBA team. Like, I could kind of understand, like, you know, a G League team or any sort of, like, minor league team maybe not having the resources or maybe not quite having the capabilities, especially coming out of the time that we can't talk about on this show because YouTube doesn't allow it. Could kind of understand that, but we're moving on from that time now, right? Like, it's time to sort of take that next step forward, and I just think that... You know, you have the Lakers have what is it in what do they call it inside, all? The, inside Lakers. the Lakers? Yeah. Like you have like the Knicks as an example have MSG Network. Like you have all these teams. The big boys have the big look boys. At, stuff. Look at the Yankees on Yes Network. Look yeah. at the, like and I hate it, but the Cubs have their own TV network. Like I think it's where the biggest and the best are going. But like the Cubs are a good example. Cubs fans were not thrilled, and I wasn't thrilled personally, about the transition off of WGN to Marquee. To Marquee. That was not something that anybody wanted. Nobody nobody was about it, mainly because the Cubs and the ownership group suck, and they're not spending money, even though they're billionaires and the prices of hot dogs are super high. But what do you do? You watch the network because you don't have a choice, and that's what I would say to Ryan Smith and the Utah Jazz. Don't give your fan base a choice. Create something and make them go with it. That's how you win in business. Well, and I think this is something, speaking of the Knicks, like look at the position the Knicks are in. Yeah. The Knicks are the best example of this. The Knicks have one of the greatest arenas on the planet. Madison Square Garden is a place everybody wants to play basketball. In the greatest city on earth, in my opinion, in New York City, and you have MSG, like you have all this money, and you can't win because your owner's not great at owning and so what did he do? I Maybe, I'm hoping Jimmy Dolan understands, and so he turned over basketball to Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Leon's moving the franchise in the right direction. Yeah. Because the owner stepped out of the way. Now, what is what have you done here in Utah with Ryan Smith? Well, apparently you've stepped out of the way quite early in the process and handed the ball to Danny Ainge, which I think is exactly the right thing to Deserves do. Deserves credit for that. I think you hired the exact right coach in Will Hardy. Yes, yes, yes. You're young, you're young in the right places, you're developing. The David Fisdale hire is huge because this organization has not historically developed or drafted talent well. Like you're doing all of these things but to put yourself- But we're waiting for that splash. We're wa- and we're waiting for that big step forward. Yes. And I think this season is probably the pain train for the Jazz. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I just think it's a really interesting conversation um, as we talk about uh, new new details on the Utah Jazz with Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks, as the Jazz now uh, are operating, um, you know, under a plan that has Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley coming to training camp with the Jazz, uh, because it does not appear that the Jazz and Knicks are close to or will be able to put a deal together uh, before training camp starts. And the Utah Jazz also have no interested parties in the NBA right now that are looking to acquire uh, Mike Conley now. There's still a belief around the NBA, frankly, that a lot of deals are in waiting. Um, I can tell you that the Jazz have, um, you know, a deal for Patrick Beverly. If they want to make that deal when he's eligible to be traded at the end of the month, they can make that deal. 
But there is kind of a domino effect that still has not happened because the Rudy Gobert trade won kind of turned the league on its ear. Yeah. The Kevin Durant trade demand, followed by DeAndre Ayton signing that offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers that was matched by the Phoenix Suns. You know, All of those things just continue to throw wrenches in the NBA trade gears, so things have not really moved exceptionally well. So I think there's a, a still a belief around the NBA that there are going to be a number of moves that are going to come down. And I, if I'm a Jazz fan, I fully expect the Utah Jazz, to trade Boyan Bogdanovich to either Miami or Los Angeles. And I do expect Donovan Mitchell to come to camp with the Jazz. Now, what could change that? I think very clearly either the Knicks coming up with a, a, a significantly better offer than they have to this point, which I would not expect, or a, a, a trade, a two- or three-team deal. It'd have to be at least a three-team deal, excuse me, that would net the Jazz that same kind of draft pick haul and talent haul that they would expect in return for uh, Donovan Mitchell, a la the trade they made with Minnesota for Rudy Gobert. I yeah. think outside of those scenarios, I think Donovan Mitchell is very likely coming to camp with the Utah Jazz, and I think he will be an all-star wearing a Utah Jazz uniform on February 19th. Which I think is also not the main consideration, but I think that's in the background. I think that that is something they are very cognizant of. Hey, we can't be just a trash team this year. That's not going to work. Like, and, and I don't think they ever wanted to be that, you know? And I, and I think that it just, I, I think that this is a very unique situation. I think that it's unique for jazz fans, for Knicks fans, and for the NBA. I, I think people just want to look at it at face value and be like, oh, well, he's not worth six picks, so that's a ridiculous offer. But you have to understand what's happening in the in the context and the situation and what they're trying to do. And I just think that, you know, the the TV stuff we were just talking about, when you look at that side of the Utah Jazz business and you combine that with this whole trade thing, there's an opportunity if they do this right to be one of the best teams from a total package standpoint in the league. But yes. you got to get a TV or a streaming deal done. You got to move on from this. And that's my biggest question right now. When do we get to move on or sort of put the Don to the Knicks thing to bed for a couple of months? Because that's honestly what I think the team needs when you get to camp. Like if he's here and you get to camp, you got to put the Knicks thing to bed for a while. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Let's see. Knicks will be 2026 NBA champions, says. If the Az want to play hardball with Donovan Mitchell, then they stand to lose more than the Knicks. I don't know what the Jazz have to lose here. It, it, listen, if I'm the Knicks, I probably don't make this deal. I come to camp with what I have, mm -hmm. and I, I make a deal probably in October. It, it, if you really feel like... Because no matter what the, the Knicks do, let's be very honest about where the New York Knicks are. No matter what the New York Knicks do with this Donovan Mitchell trade, they're not winning a championship because of that trade. Mm -hmm. Let's just get that out on the table now. Nobody thinks that making this deal for Donovan Mitchell, and let's say that they it's three picks and two players. Right. So let's just surmise that you, you don't trade Grimes, you trade Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and three picks with Cam Reddish to get Donovan Mitchell. Right? Are you a better team than day you make that? Well, you're probably not. You're probably not. You're probably going to score more points. I would guess that Donovan Mitchell is going to be a significantly better defensive player this coming season. Mm -hmm. But making that Donovan Mitchell trade doesn't make you a championship caliber team, especially not when you look at Milwaukee, Chicago, Philly, Brooklyn. You look at the teams that are really talented in the East. My guess is the Knicks are at least a year away from that. But if you're Leon Rose, you have all the relationships across the NBA to get you more talent. 
that you can acquire either at the deadline in October or right now today, you don't need the Donovan Mitchell deal. No, I guess not. If I'm Leon, I'm walking away from this deal, as yeah. I've been told that he has done. I would walk away from this deal, and I, I would hang on to what I have because you have a good mix of veteran players. I'm curious to see what the long-term place for Derrick Rose on that team is. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I don't listening, know. I think he needs a home. Well, listening to, to ESPN New York the other day, they were not exactly confident um, that that Derrick Rose would be a Nick or would be a Nick for the full season. Like, And I know that, that Tom Thibodeau really – I don't know how much influence he has on player movement there. I'm curious how much voice Tom Thibodeau has when it comes to who's on his roster and who's not. Because I I know, obviously, he's had Derek in several spots. Mm -hmm. As a Bulls fan, trust me, he's had, Tom Thibodeau has had Derek Rose in several places. I am. I've got to believe they have a good relationship. I got to believe that that Tibbs would like to have Derrick Rose back. Mm -hmm. I think Derrick Rose is a very interesting figure in Nick Country right now. I think Obi Toppin is one of the more controversial figures in Nick Country. How many Nick fans really value him? So if you acquire Donovan Mitchell, but it costs you Grimes and Obi Toppin, let's say, is that a deal that Nick fans are going to be happy about? I would think not. If you're giving up Quentin Grimes. As a Knicks fan, I, I, I would think that that would not be a deal that you would love. Oh, you mean you gave up your entire future for, for a guy like this? Yeah. That's a problem. I, I, I wouldn't be happy about that either. Yeah, I mean, and, and then you have to kind of look around the scope of the league and figure out, well, hey, you know, who's... I mean, if I had to guess today who the best team in the East is right now, I mean, Boston went to the finals. You're probably nowhere near Boston. Yeah, Boston's definitely... I think... I think Boston and Milwaukee are tied for the two best teams in the East, and then, and then it's 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 probably Philly, and then it's probably Brooklyn. And if you look at the West, if the Jazz keep Donovan Mitchell, they're not a playoff team, a, a top five playoff team. Yeah. If they trade Donovan Mitchell, I don't think they're a playoff team at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just the two teams just don't have urgency to get a deal done or it would have been done. And what I would say is if you're the Knicks, you want that KD deal to get done because then I think that gives you more options and more leverage in the conversation. If, if, if KD leaves and that deal happens and now yeah. you've got another established thing, then I think that helps you. But that's what, that's why I keep saying this. And I don't mean to, to, to be repetitive about it, but Danny really has set the, the price uh, uh, for the league. And that's kind of crazy to say, on a deal surrounding a guy like Rudy Gobert, with all due respect to Rudy, like you know, it, it's it's just wild that that that's basically again outside of the Dejounte Murray deal to Atlanta, that's really the only other deal we have, and that deal really, in my opinion, flew under the radar. I don't really feel like that rocked the boat. Yeah, I would agree. I just I, I think it's very interesting where the NBA is right now because I mean, popularity wise, I don't know that the NBA has ever been more popular than it is right now. I yeah. Mean, I think all this player movement and drama has been very good for the NBA. I think it has kept people, you know, engaged. I think it has filled gyms for the Drew. Totally. I think it has filled gyms at the summer league. Well, leagues. look, when you have LeBron at the Drew, you're you're in a good place as far as the NBA is concerned. Yeah, and you have Dejounte Murray all over. I mean, I you're Paolo Bancaro. Like, I understand you're young. I mean, that was. Did you? I mean, oh yeah. Yeah, my God. I mean, I think that my look, God. DeJounte Murray is on the prove it campaign, in my opinion. I mean, the guy gets traded and now he's busting people. And and it was one thing when it was a nine to five worker who was just out there playing. Okay, 
That's one thing. But when yeah. you're doing that to Paulo Bancaro after what Paulo Bancaro did, you know, in the summer league and had all that momentum and everything, and people thought really highly of him, you know, I, I get it. You're trying to establish yourself if you're DeJounte Murray. And I think that Trey Young, I got news for you, bud. You may not be the best player on that team anymore. I'm just saying. Because when you put a guy like so. Murray on a better team with better talent around him, he can do better things. And I would apply that same logic to Donovan Mitchell. All right, let's run through a couple of these comments because you guys have done a great job today. Thank you so much for watching the show. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. Uh, it really helps the channel grow. Um, and I just want to say thanks. Whether you're a, a Jazz fan, and I see all the Jazz fans commenting, all the Knicks fans, thanks so much. We enjoy the conversation. Uh, Top Junkie says, let's all be clear. DM is stepping stone to a championship. With Donovan Mitchell... Uh, we can now acquire that last piece for 2024-25 free agency. With that said, we have very good young talent. I think Quentin Grimes can be that one of those pieces. Yeah. If you're the Knicks, I would, I'd be really careful with that. Uh, Hazansky Gaming says a Knicks trade for Mitchell is not a championship move. It's a step in the right direction to be relevant. After trading Mitchell, Leon still has eight first-round picks. These guys are hilarious. Well, I mean, it just depends on what you give up for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, you don't have eight first-round picks if he gave up six. You're but. not giving up. You're not You're not keeping all eight of your first-round picks if you're getting Donovan Mitchell. I would yeah. keep that in mind. Uh, Tarek S. says, uh, Coach Tibbs has less power now. He made some personnel mistakes in the past. That ship has sailed. Yeah, I think so. I would, <laughs> I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Kaiser says, I think the Knicks – should wait for a superstar to go all in. Like I said, if the Clippers don't do well, I see fire sale happening over there. Or PG-13 try to improve around Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, did anybody see Kawhi Leonard? That guy looks like he is um, on um, a... Talk about prove it. I'm tired of hearing about Kawhi Leonard. Show me you can stay healthy. Show me that you're still the same guy you were. You've been gone for two years, bro. Like, I need to see that it's more than just, hey, you've been in the been in the weight room lifting weights well, i mean and, he missed last year with the knee injury yeah right? I, I get it i get it joe ingles did him dirty i get it but i don't really care you have it, this is the league you play in it's a physical league yeah you're you're supposed to be this guy that plays really physical defense like obviously you're an nba champion you've done it like great like i don't doubt what Kawhi's done but what i'm saying is moving forward if you're the clippers you can't just roll out and say yep Kawhi's back. He's the same guy. No, I need to see that. I need to see the shot making. I need to see him come back and play that kind of defense. Because because the only guy, frankly, that has shown that he's there and healthy and ready to go is Reggie Jackson. Because Paul George has missed time, too. A lot of time. So, I'm just telling you, Reggie Jackson is the only guy there who I'm like, yeah, that guy you can expect great results from. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, JJ47K uh, says a lot of Knicks fans value Obi quickly and Grimes and don't want none to go. But out of the three, uh, most would be okay with Grimes leaving. Really? I, mm, man, I, I don't know, bro. I love Quentin Grimes. His upside, man. I don't know. If I'm the Knicks, I don't do a deal with, with the, the Jazz. I just think the asking price is... Yep. You need to wait for more things to happen in the league, then come back. Quickly or Grimes? That's tough. Quickly has probably done more right now, but I think Grimes probably has the top end. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I personally would not be married to Obi Toppin. I, I just, I, you can get bigs in this league, and, and I think you have Robinson. Yeah, you know who I love, so I just wouldn't. Um, oh wait, hang on, real quick. Uh, Ruff's official. Minnesota will definitely be one of the best teams in the East. Yeah, they will. They will. You, you, you misspoke one time. 
like three weeks ago. And it's every day on the show. I love that. <laughs> CAA Mafia says Nick's got all the CAA clients on speed dial, man. So wait, let me get this right. Love Hold that. on. Hold on. Let me get this right. So, so, so let me get this right. First, we get the CAA conspiracy. Then we get dudes leaving because, or they're trading him because of something that's going to happen in three years because he's leaving. Like, this is what I mean. There's so many conspiracies and, oh man, this is happening because, th you know, the feeling around the league is this like, like, stop, man. Look at this logically and just say, hey, the asking price is high because he doesn't want to trade him. Right. And the Knicks don't want to come to that asking price. It's very simple. It's not hard. It is. It is very simple. James Lee says, is Ainge not interested in Barrett because Ainge doesn't want to pay him? Or let's be honest, he's actually not even that good. I'm a Knicks fan, by the way. Well, I think I think R.J. Barrett. Thanks for the tip, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for the five dollar tip. Um, I think R.J. Barrett is. He's good. Is he very good? Is he elite? Probably not. No, but. He's one of those guys that you got to look at and be very careful because he feels like that guy that leaves and then for the rest of his career, like, stomps on your balls with a stiletto. Like, yes. he feels like that guy. I'm for real. He feels young still to me. He feels like a guy who's who's proven himself a bit but still has a good bit of development that can happen to take him to another level. Little more body. And he's got to – if he becomes a consistent shooter, mm -hmm. a really consistent – and uh, R.J. Barrett just isn't the New York Nick guy. I, I, that's where I would leave it. I mean, it, I just don't think we've seen anywhere near the top of that yeah. that talent tree yet. Like, yeah. I think you need – it's the New York Knicks, man. We you you got to have a superstar. You have got to have like a, a Bradley Beal. You have got to have a Jason Tatum. You've got to have Mitchell. a well. I, if Don, but you see what I'm saying. If Don comes out and puts up those digits this year, man, he could be that guy. And I'm not. I'm not. I know that we lit Nick's world on fire the other week when we said that R.J. Barrett wasn't a superstar. We'll and I don't think somewhere. he is. I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell than R.J. Barrett. Agreed. The problem is, I think Danny Ainge. I don't think I know Danny Ainge. I've been told repeatedly does not want to extend R.J. Barrett. And the reason they don't want to take R.J. Barrett back in a trade is because I think they view him as a short-term jazz guy. Right. They they would wind up either trading him or I think they don't want to be married to him because he's not, honestly, he's not the best player on a championship team. And so if you extend him, and if you're going to trade Donovan Mitchell for R.J. Barrett, don't make the trade because you already have a better player in Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's that's where I'd be on it. Uh, let's see. Stuart Dearson says RJ Barrett was one of only three players to average 20 points at 20. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm but not saying he's a bad player, I, man. And I'm not even saying the reference to that stat is, is, is a bad take. I get it. The stat sheet says he's a good player, but again, I'm not a stat sheet guy, right? Like, like, yeah, Don's got to up his stats. He's got, it'd be great if he averaged 30 a night, but what are we really talking about here? What we're really talking about is Don needs to be someone that is respected in the league at a superstar level. That's what he needs to be. So if that means 30 a night or if it's the LeBron recipe where you're 25 a night, but you've got 10 to 12 dimes, you know, and 10 boards. Okay, great. Whatever, whatever that recipe is, statistically speaking, to get to where you need to get to. Great. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and say that R.J. Barrett is somehow this great player because of whatever stat that was. I need to see R.J. Barrett get to a level where I know that when he's got the ball in a in a leverage situation, it's going in. That's what you need to be. 
In the comments, R.J. Barrett or Donovan Mitchell? I think it's Don all day. I don't even think it's close. I think it's a ridiculous conversation. I think Don is a superior player. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, think he, I don't think it's close. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One more. Uh, Tarnell Nettingham says, The Jazz are shopping Mitchell. You guys are big capping. Okay, well, cool. Go back through our YouTube channel so, and tell us what we've been wrong on over the last year. So the Jazz are shopping Donovan Mitchell. Lay that out for me. What what it, when you say they're shopping Donovan Mitchell, so they're out. So what you're saying is the Jazz are out calling any team that'll offer them anything for Donovan Mitchell. They want to make a Donovan Mitchell trade. Is that what you're saying? So why haven't they done that yet? If they wanted to move him, why didn't they do the Knicks deal? Why isn't why isn't he why isn't he in Miami Heat? If they wanted to move him, why didn't they do any of the Atlanta deals or Chicago or any of these opportunities they had before the Minnesota Rudy deal got done? They're not shopping Donovan Mitchell. They are they, what they're what they're doing is exactly what they should be doing. Hey, if you want to offer us a ton of this and a ton of that, we'll trade you Donovan Mitchell. But if you're only going to offer me a good deal, I'm not going to do that cuz he's already a really good player. So, I would encourage you I would encourage you to try and explain because he says, you guys don't know nothing. Okay, we're stupid. We get that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So tell me tell me how they're shopping Donovan Mitchell. That's pretty much self-explanatory. I, I would love to understand that. Uh, Tom uh, Basilis says, Donovan, buy a lot, even thinking for the future. Yeah. Scott Howard says, keep Don, build around him. Uh, Stuart Dearson says, man, this guy's a troll. He is. RJ is 22, CM says, yeah, he's young. He is a – R.J. Barrett's a young player. Donovan Mitchell's only 25 in this league. That's young. I think LeBron James is 59. I could be wrong. My point is, R.J. Barrett's a good player. I think Donovan Mitchell has superstar, top five talent. Yeah. I am – I'm a – and again, maybe I drink the Don Kool-Aid. Absolutely could be. Absolutely could be. Absolutely could be. Um, let's see. Stuart Dearson also says, good job. Keep up the good work. I enjoy your takes. Respect your take on all things sports. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, eight o'clock in the mountain region. Already. Good morning to you. Yeah. This show is flying by as usual. Um, the biggest stories in sports this morning brought to you by our good friend, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Listen, my friends, if you're looking for a mortgage, why haven't you called Devery Davis yet? Our rates are back under 5% for mortgages. Now, is that historically low? It's not, but that's a good number. If you're under 5% for a mortgage, you're going to do quite well on a house. And yes, you can afford that house that you've been looking for, right? Because when you look at Devery Davis, there's one thing I want to point out to you. He's not just going to put a number on you and you're just going to be another guy and you're just another commission check. And that's not how Devery Davis operates, right? When you call Devery, you talk to Devery Davis. When you're sitting in front of a house, and I can only tell you my experience with Devery. When Devery Davis did buy mortgage, I bought a townhouse. I was sitting in front of this townhouse. I texted him that MLS number. He said, hey, XYZ123, here's where you're at. We were able to make a cash offer, even though we didn't pay cash. We were able to make a cash offer, and we won a bidding war. Remember, I bought this house in 2020. It was an all-out battle. To win, this to win this townhouse. We did. And how did we do that? Devery Davis made us a cash buyer. We were pre-qualified and he got the deal done for us. And we really appreciated that. And I've sent my friends to Devery Davis. I've sent my coworkers. I've sent everybody I know. 
When you need a mortgage, hey man, go and call Deborah Davis. 801-543-9666. 801-543-9666. NMLS number 278545. Deborah Davis and Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. And by the way, if you're sitting here saying to yourself, I can't afford a down payment, can't buy a house, Mont. Well, here's what I would tell you. Deborah Davis has a down payment program for you. There is down payment assistance out there. If you really want to buy a house and you're ready to rock and roll, Call every today, 801-543-9666. The biggest stories in sports this morning, um, I think very clearly is college football expansion. Is Notre Dame going to the Big Ten? There have been rumors around the last two weeks. And if you've paid attention to the college football landscape, you've realized that Notre Dame to the Big Ten has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And it would appear that Notre Dame today, on August 8th, 2022, is as close to joining a conference as they have ever been. And it could be the Big Ten. Over the weekend, there were rumors that Oregon, Washington, and Notre Dame would join the Big Ten. And that would cause a ripple effect across college football that I think we can't even measure before it happens. So, Jake, today, what is your opinion? Is Notre Dame joining the Big Ten? I think that Notre Dame may not join the Big Ten officially, but what I think is going to happen is the Big Ten is going to find a way to put a package together involving Notre Dame. Uh, I think that, obviously, it goes without saying Notre Dame football is a super valuable commodity to to have. And I think that, you know, if you can have a situation where, you know, Notre Dame, you know, or there's a Big Ten early game, then you've got Notre Dame, then you've got Ohio State, let's say, playing whoever I think that's a, a, a great setup. I, I, I think that for Notre Dame to join a conference, it, again, it's going to have to check all of Notre Dame's boxes. And by the way, it's going to have to bring Notre Dame more money uh, per year than they make already. So I think that's the challenges. I think if you're looking at Notre Dame to any conference in the big picture, what does Notre Dame want at the core of it? Well, they're, obviously money is the first thing. You're going to want more money in the conference than you make as an independent, right? That would just be the first surface-level thing you'd have to have. Number two, I, I think this this whole dynamic around credibility of your conference. Like, obviously, the SEC is the best conference we have in college football, but I think the Big Ten is second best, you know? So if you're Notre Dame and the SEC calls you, okay, great, yeah, you're probably doing that. But for the Big Ten... I think that there's more at play there. You got to work out a deal that benefits Notre Dame. So my opinion is I don't think Notre Dame per se joins the Big Ten. But what I do think happens is that they marry up, they work together to create a better, more beneficial package for the conference and for Notre Dame together. Because I think that's definitely something that that exists and, and can happen. See, and if I had to guess, I would tell you that Notre Dame is not going to join the Big Ten. I would agree with that. I think Notre Dame's going to be involved in the Big Ten's TV deal. I think that's what makes sense. And I think a couple other moves are going to happen because of that. I do think Oregon and Washington end up in the Big Ten. I think that happens before this season kicks off. I think West Virginia ends up in the ACC um, because it just makes too much sense. I don't know how many people saw over the weekend that um, Pitt and West Virginia sold out their game. They're going to have 70,000 people in a game that features West Virginia and Pitt. I'm for real. 70,000 people. It makes too much sense. Nobody wants West Virginia and Stillwater. Everybody wants West Virginia and the ACC. It makes too much sense. It makes too much money. So what happens to the ACC? I am very curious to see 
which teams in the ACC end up in the SEC because that right there is the deal that I think happens if Notre Dame either joins or affiliates itself with the Big Ten's TV deal. If that happens, I cannot see the SEC sitting tight because too much money will be going out the door to the Big Ten for TV rights. And if they average, if they have an average annual value of $100 million in a TV deal, the SEC has to react to that. And does that mean that it is Clemson and Florida State? What about the University of Miami? What happens then? Because right now, the ACC, without question, is a better basketball conference than a football conference. But can you imagine if the ACC's powerhouses, all of a sudden, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, join the SEC? That changes the game in college football. And in my opinion, what happens if Oregon and Washington leave the Pac-12 following USC and UCLA, now I think you're cooking with gas if you're the Big 12. And trying to figure out why the Big 12 has not moved yet, which is really surprising, um, I, I think it is incredibly surprising that we have not heard, hey, the Pac-12 is picking up San Diego State. Right. Hey, the Big 12 is picking up SMU and Washington and Colorado and San Diego State. We have heard nothing. And I think it's because the Big 10 needs to move first. And I think if the Big Ten moves and they affiliate with Notre Dame and if they add Oregon and Washington, it leaves Pac-12 schools very little choice but to save themselves. And if you're the Utah Utes, Jake, I think if that move happens, you have to join the, the Big 12. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, we've talked all about it the last couple of weeks that the Utah is going to go one of two ways here. You're, you're going to make a move and you're going to join the Big 12 or you're going to find yourself on an island. I You know, we had Bob Thompson on last week. Go find the interview on our channel. Great interview. And Bob's opinion is is that the Pac-12 can survive without some of these lifelines coming back, like without UCLA coming back. My question is, can they survive without Oregon, Washington, and Utah, and no USC? I don't know what that looks like. And so I think if you're Utah, you have to be definitive here. You have to be aggressive here. You have to be proactive here and say, hey, look, we see what's coming here. We see the ACC and the SEC commingling and doing their little deal over here, right? We see the Big Ten and Notre Dame, you know, uh, in Washington and Oregon, you know, commingling and putting something together that benefits all of them. What about us? Where, where do we go? Well, I got news for you. Go to the Big 12. Build that conference. Play the Holy War every year. Make your money. That's the correct move for Utah. Yeah, and I, I think the hard part about the Big 12 right now is you're not getting Oregon. You're not getting Washington. You're not getting, again, you're not getting USC and UCLA. Mm-hmm. If you're Brett Yorkman and you are looking at what is the right thing to do, and if you are, you know, if you if you look at what is left, if you if you are in the Big 12, you're in the Pac-12 and Brett Yormark calls your phone. Hey, it's Brett Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12. Right. Utah. Today, if he makes that call, why don't you come join us? Utah's going to say no. Yeah, man. Well, hey, it's Brett Yormark. Um, Oregon and Washington went to the Big 10. Why don't you come and join us? Now you're having a different conversation. Correct. And that's why I say I think the Big Ten has to act. And I think everybody's kind of waiting to see what the Big Ten does. And I think Brett Yormark, if he had his way, I think he would love to make a deal already. Mm -hmm. 
I think he would love to have made a deal. But I just I just think it's very difficult um, to do that when you don't know who's staying and who's going. Because the yeah. other thing that Brett Yormark has to do, he's got to secure his flank. I mean, if they lose Houston, if they lose... I mean, if they lose Cincinnati, if you're the ACC, why wouldn't you go in and get Cincinnati? Yeah. If you're the Big Ten, why wouldn't you have added Cincinnati? I mean, they have not, to this point, yeah. joined the Big 12. Yeah, and I think there's a, this dynamic at play between the haves and the have-nots. I, yes. I, and I think that is at large in the Pac-12. I, I, I look at, you know, again, this situation with Utah and, and them kind of being on an island here and having to make a choice. I, I think the other problem is, is that you know, it's not like the Big 12 is just going to take Utah. Like, the Big 12 would have to get Utah, the Arizona schools, and then maybe... Colorado. They, maybe, yeah, Colorado, and then maybe you go after San Diego State, let's say, so because you don't want the Pac-12 or what would be like the Pac-6 at that point, I guess, all jokes aside, to go and add San Diego State. And I think that, you know, if you look at what, what George Klavkov said at Pac-12 Media Day... He was not shy about saying that the Big 12 was trying to tear them down. And that's what I'd be doing if I was the Big 12. I have to be honest. This is a competition. This is a dog-eat-dog world, man. This is not, hey, let's all be nice to each other and let's work it out. No, this is a, hey, we need to make revenue per school at the highest possible level. If the Big 10 is getting to $100 million a year, you heard me right, $100 million per school. If that happens... That changes the game. That fuels the SEC's fire to get the ACC thing done. That well, fuels moves. But I also think one of the, the pertinent questions is, how can the Pac-12 survive? I don't know, bro. If you lose all these four teams, I don't know what that looks like. I think if you're the Pac-12, I think you can survive if you lose Oregon and Washington, UCLA and, and USC, but you have to get Boise. I think you have to go and get San Diego State. I think you have to try and poach Houston because 20 million bucks a year average annual value per school is not is not but viable. Listen to these it's teams not viable. You're, you're listing off here, right? The Pac-12 is never going to be the same. No, I mean, no. I got oh, like no, you know what not. I mean? Like no. and I know survival is different than thriving. That's two totally different things. Yes. And we're just talking about them getting by. But think about that 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 outlook for the Pac-12. You're no longer a P5 conference. You're no longer something that 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 nationally needs to be respected. And that's why I say if you're Utah, you can see the writing on the wall. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, the four big boys include and then you yourself that have run this conference for the last decade. They're all gone and you're left sitting here Utah. What will you do? Yeah, I, I think it's a matter of, of survival, not thriving. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think if, if you're the Pac-12 and you add Boise State. Boise State in that blue turf. If you add Boise State and yeah. they're with all the money that they announced the other day that they're pouring into their facility. Which is no surprise, is it? No, I think it's perfectly timed. And if, if you are if you are Boise State, Boise. I think that's the right thing to do. If you're the Pac-12, go get Boise State. Yeah, Go get San Diego State. Go get Houston. Go get SMU. Go put yourself in a position to compete. Put yourself in a position to have a footprint in multiple different regions. That's what the game is now. Mm -hmm. Why is the Big Ten looking so much and, and so you know longingly at USC and UCLA? Well, because it's Los Angeles, man. That's a huge TV market. 
Why do they want the Pacific Northwest? Because that's a huge TV market. Mm-hmm. So if you're the if if you're the Big Ten, that makes all the sense in the world to add the global fan base of a of a Notre Dame. That makes all the sense in the world. But my question is, if you're the Pac-12 and if you're the Big 12, this is the other thing. If you lose West Virginia, that is certainly no death knell to Big 12 football. But if you lose Houston, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. If you lose, you know, it. it because I don't think BYU is 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 going anywhere. I really don't. But if you lose BYU, you're in real trouble. If you lose Oklahoma State, let's see the SEC. Let's say the SEC comes calling. Mm-hmm. And they want to add Clemson, Florida State, Miami, but they need a fourth. Well, let's go get Oklahoma State. That makes perfect sense for the SEC, right? Yep. Does it make perfect sense for the Cowboys? I don't know. But that's something you got to worry about. So if 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 you're good old Brett, the new commissioner, and you're trying to accomplish all this, how are you not aggressively pursuing new membership in the Big Twelve? I don't know, but I think it is it is certainly something where you have to if if you are Brett Yormark, you have got to go and be aggressive in adding new membership, and I think you got to do that now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Maybe today's theme is leverage. I guess. Unfortunately, if you're Brett Yormark in the Big 12, I don't know that you have a whole lot of leverage until the Big 12 acts. Oh, and that's what I'm saying. Or, excuse I, me, until the Big 10 acts. I just think that we're seeing that all across sports. College football, the NBA. You know, you're even seeing it in some cases in Major League Baseball. Like, I just think that there's a lot at, there's a lot at play here. And this is ten, this this is what happens in the offseason. Every, you yes. know, seven to ten years, you get a cycle where you've got realignment and you've got Kevin Durant being all pissed off at Kyrie Irving and his chakras and his beliefs his and, and his, you know, his his smoke in the building to bless the building. Like, you get this type of thing. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, don't be annoyed by it. In some ways, enjoy it, right? Because next season, it's probably just going to be some boring-ass offseason. We're not going to have anything to talk about. So I just think it's a fascinating time. But I, I, I will maintain for for my for my Utah people right now, y- even if you're a Utah fan, don't be naive. BYU has the upper hand. Utah needs to catch up. Utah needs to figure out what what the deal is here. All right, let's get some of your comments in here on college football expansion. Yeah. Um. Let's see. We have a lot of comments today. Let's see where we go here. How about Stuart Dearson? I think it would make it would help make another power conference besides the SEC. They make a package like they did uh, with the ACC. I think the ACC has tremendous value around the college football world mm-hmm. because I think the ACC is willing to be a basketball conference, and I think they are willing to shrink and be a smaller conference with really good regional rivalries. If you have Pitt, West Virginia, if you have Duke Carolina, like mm-hmm. you're good. You're good. They don't need to or want to be the the SEC. So I think that's that's really, really interesting to see where that goes. Brooklyn Rose says uh Notre Dame shouldn't join. Well, I think they should stay independent as well. I'm a lifelong Notre Dame football fan, and I can tell you there is a lot of attractiveness to joining the Big Ten. I mean, it is Well, what do you want though? Let's be real. What what would be the reason you would join the Big Ten? More money, right? That's maybe, it. Maybe maybe a slightly clearer path to the college football playoff. But I think 
more money. That's, uh, you already have that, though. But, and that's my point. Like, you don't need the Big Ten to get to the college football playoff. No, like, you some don't. people might make the case that, hey, being in a conference gives you a clear path, obviously. But but I don't but if you're Notre Dame, you already have that path as we've seen multiple times. And so that's why I say it, it it's not really about the path. It's about money making and, and deal and setup and exposure for your program. And I think that ultimately is what Notre Dame wants. They want, hey, Big Ten early game us and then another big 10 game because then you've got relevance and all of that would be on nbc that's the setup and that's what works it's just a matter of the money as usual greg hawkins says i suffered through 90 minutes of basketball talk for this yeah you did (laughs) you did you did your suffrage is appreciated (laughs) ken williams says i think utah has to uh has got to make a move you can stay in the pac-12 what happened with fox and espn did they get a deal they did not they did not they did not, and it wasn't expected. They I would, either. I would, I, and I'm, I'm not even trying to pub the channel. Go listen to that Bob Thompson interview. He said a lot in that it's interview fabulous. that that really brought some clarity to the situation, not just from a football perspective, but like from the inner workings of the TV deal side of this. That will bring some clarity to you on the situation. Scammer trolling says of all the scenarios out there, Washington is not going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, I don't see any way that's a fit. No, I really don't. I, I, I think on both sides. Uh, CAA Mafia says, good show, fellas. Just a Nick fan checking in. Appearing, uh, appre- appreciate the convos. You're welcome. Yes, sir. We appreciate you being here. Kane Nuren, good morning. Notre Dame is uh, not going to the Big Ten unless they are paid more than $100 million. Yeah, That's exactly what I'm saying, right. man. It's about money. I mean, you're, yeah. not, you're not losing the flexibility of independence unless you're just getting paid an outrageous amount of money. Brooklyn Rose says, makes no sense for Notre Dame to go unless they get over $100 million. Ding. Correct. exactly right. Correct. Brooklyn. Correct. I mean, that's exactly what this is about. Uh, Tanner says, the Big 12 not making moves is the same mistake the Pac-12 made last summer when OU in Texas left the Big 12. Well, and again, yes. now we know that President Faust at uh, USC killed that. Yeah. Because Savage the, move. the USC triumvirate wanted to, I think the group of presidents wanted to expand the Pac-12 last summer and just did not. Yeah. Because USC was like, nah, we're good. He's an assassin. So I think that... To me, that's an issue. Brooklyn Rose says FSU should go to the SEC. I don't think Florida State. I don't think <clears throat> Florida State is at home in the ACC. Yeah, it's it, it. I think they feel like an SEC team. I just don't know what it's going to take to get them back to winning, like to get them back to the days, because it's really hard. I mean, it, Florida has so much talent, but so many people come to Florida to poach their talent for football. Right. It, it is remarkably difficult, which is why Utah is such an incredible story. I mean, it, I mean, your best linebacker played at Florida last year. Yeah. At Utah. Like, that's crazy. Like, you look at the pipeline of talent that has come to Salt Lake City from Florida. It's incredible. And that doesn't even include, like, all the other power conferences. The Alabamas, the Notre Dames, the... You know, like it's incredible how much talent comes out of Florida, but doesn't stay in Florida. That, that to me is, I think you're exactly right, Brooklyn. I I think they should go to the SEC. Rand says it'll always be four or five schools in the college football, in college football, Utah, BYU, not relevant. I totally disagree. Uh, I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. I think the interesting thing is, I think Utah is the most anonymous relevant team in the country today. Preseason, they're number four in the country. Like, I, and I know, CBS hey, it's preseason. Sports, it's, it doesn't matter. I get it, and I agree with that. But 
You can't just say, hey, they're not relevant. You know why BYU is relevant? Whoever the commenter is, you know why they're relevant? Rants. Because they get a million people to watch their games week in and week out. That's why they're relevant. And I think that BYU has an incredible hype machine. I do not think the fan base is as large as everybody says because of the church. There's a lot of people, and I know this might shock some people. There's a lot of, you know, devout Christians who don't watch sports. What? I think think nationally, BYU has a phenomenal brand. A phenomenal brand. Much larger than Utah, in my opinion. But Utah is a better, more capable, and ready football program today to compete for a spot in the playoff than BYU is. Facts. Now, one of the things we want to talk about today is the Heisman Trophy. Right. Like, is Cam Rising? Good old Cameron. The Campster. Is Cam Rising a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate? I think he is. I mean, he plays in a P5. He is the quarterback of a team that is expected to compete for a conference championship and a spot in the playoff. If Cam Rising's the reason that Utah gets a spot in the playoff, and if Cam Rising is the reason that Utah wins a conference championship in back-to-back years, Cam Rising should be in New York when they announce the the Heisman Trophy winner in in early December. He should be there. He will have earned that. Yeah. I don't know that that happens because I think USC is going to be very good, and I think Caleb Williams is a hell of a quarterback. And I think Caleb Williams could arguably be the best quarterback in college football and C.J. Stroud, and I, I understand. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who want to lay claim, including the kid that plays for Alabama, right? I understand that. I think Cam Rising belongs in that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think Cam Rising, every single week, is going to solidify his candidacy as a Heisman Trophy winner. As long as he stays healthy and as long as they beat USC. Because if they lose to USC... All of this talk is for not because they're not going to the college football playoff. Yeah. They're probably not even getting a New Year's Six Bowl because they're probably not going to win a conference championship. And all of this goes for not. You can go to Las Vegas. You can go to the Poughkeepsie, Miller Lite, Bush Beer, Reds Apple Ale Bowl. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, it's all well and good. It's all well and good. If they beat USC in October, look out because then Cam Rising has an actual shot. And I think they have a really good shot because I actually do believe that their offensive line at Utah is going to be better. They're going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going to be sneaky good deep down the field because I think their wide receivers are going to be better because nobody knows who they are. Yep. I think that, that Keithy and Kincaid have to have big years. I think their linebackers are going to be fine. They have a really stout secondary with a lot of experience. I think Utah's going to be good. I think they're going to be very good on the lines. It's Kyle Whittingham. Their line play is going to be good. And if it's not good, it's going to get better. Like it did last year, it will rapidly improve. And you don't have a noodle arm quitter quarterback starting for you this year. Stop disrespecting me, bro. So I think you're going to beat Florida. And I think you're going to beat San Diego State. And I think you're going to beat USC at home. That's the whole nine yards right there. And if you do those things, there is no reason to believe that Cam Rising cannot be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And I know that people on Twitter mocked me for it the other day. And hey, mock me all you want. Cam Rising, until they lose to USC, is a Heisman Trophy candidate. Because mm-hmm. that team's going to be very good. Utah is... Utah, there, there are no easy outs on their schedule, and you wouldn't expect it to be any other way. Yeah. Because what are you going to get? Every single week, their opponent, and I don't care who it is, Every single week, their opponent's going to be like, hey, these guys took Ohio State to the limit. 
These guys are in the Rose Bowl. Hey, they're Pac-12 champions. Let's go. Get ready. That's what Utah has to raise their Utah bar will get every team's best every single week. Yes, they will. Yeah, absolutely they will. Greg Hawkins. I think they're waiting for the media deals to finalize and figure out where to go. If the pack stays within $5 million of the big, then schools will probably stay put until the next round of realignment. Yeah, we'll that see. could be. Could absolutely be. Tanner Plummer, good morning to you. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Tanner says, I find it hilarious how a lot of Pac-12 people, including Bob Thompson to a certain extent, are pushing a propaganda project in order to save the Pac-12. I agree with you. Hey, I guys. actually thought that Bob Thompson was very pro-Pac-12. Yeah. And I disagree completely. I just think, yeah. If they don't keep UCLA, I don't see a way that league survives. I don't. And Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports on Friday on the show, or I guess on Thursday on the show, straight up said, yeah, without UCLA, yeah, there's a route to keep them alive. Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know what that looks like. I think the Pac-12 likes themselves a lot, and I think that's the wrong place to be right now. I think the Pac-12 overvalues their TV rights. A lot. And I don't see how they get... $30 $30 million even. I don't. Without making a move, I don't see how they get $30 million bucks. If you don't get, if you don't have Southern California in the conference, you're not getting $30 million bucks. Yeah. If you don't add, I that's why I think Houston's the team that I, if I'm the Pac-12, I'd be all in on that. Hey, we'll give you a full share right out of the gate. Hey, we need Houston. Hey, we need San Diego. Hey, we need, what's the state? And that blue turf. I think that's your route to survival. I truly do. Um, because I think it's just it's just too much to ask. It's it's too much to ask to believe that they can that they can survive. Uh, all right, Greg Hawkins says you can tell Kalani has altered BYU's identity to look more like Utah, and that's why Cam and Jaron have such similar skill sets. Totally agree. I think Kalani Sitaki not to look more like Utah. I think to look more like you know a major powerful college football program. Hey, look here, man. I think that's what he's done. They're going to be. They're going to be a BYU is going to be very good. And I don't see any reason Jaron Hall, other than the fact that he can't stay on the field, mm-hmm. Jaron Hall stays healthy. They're going to win. You know, other than the fact that he can't stay on the field, it's fine. You know, besides that little detail, I'll drop that motherfucker. They're gonna win big games. They're going to. And again, Baylor's in Provo this year. How nice is a Baylor win early in the season? Yes. Right? You think about that stuff. You, you, you can't tell me they're going to go to Oregon and get their doors blown off. That's a program in transition. Kalani's going to be ready. You can't tell me they're going to Oregon and getting their, their doors blown off. I don't see that happening. They yeah. have a very good chance to win that game. Don't lie to me. Now, it's September 17th, and the real ball breaker is that your bye week isn't until November because you're not getting any rest. And that offensive line has to stay healthy because you have a kid in the backfield you're going to hand the ball to and you're going to be able to count on that kid. I think they're going to be very good. And if he stays healthy, Jaron Hall is a kid that could could be in, in New York with Cam Rising. Yeah. Now, the chances of them both being there are slim and none and both slim and none just walked out the door. That's it, Skippy. There is no reason... And I hate playing BYU off against Utah and vice versa. Right. There's no reason to believe that Jaron Hall can't have one of the best seasons in college football. Yeah, he's got to make better choices. That's all it is. You know, if you stay on the field, you execute, you're going to be fine. Stay out of contact, man. Stay out of contact. Ken Williams, it's all about viewers. What hurts Utah is basketball. They just suck, and I'm not sure how they fix it. Maybe it's getting into the Big 12 Conference will help with respect and recruiting better talent. What is BYU? 
That's the problem in, in Utah. This is a great state for basketball at Duke, right? This is a great state for basketball when the kid actually stays local, right? When Lone Peak actually stays local. The problem is too many kids get away. Yeah. Basketball, it's not like BYU's been otherworldly in basketball. I mean, it, it, let's, let's be honest about it. Neither Utah, now Utah's been really bad. But Utah and BYU have to be better at basketball. It's not a vital revenue generator necessarily, mm -hmm. but it certainly is nice to add NCAA tournaments yes. to your resume. Yes. And, and BYU is obviously has had far more success recently than Utah. There's no doubt about that. We need to get back to the days of the Jimmer. Jimmer. Right? We need to get back to the days of the J-I-M-M-E-R. That's right. We need to get back to the excitement of the of the yes, tournament. Yes, yes. Yeah, we need to get back to those days. We need to get back to the Van Horns and the Millers. And we need to get back to the Sean Bradleys. We need that kind of development locally. We need to pipeline the talent in the state of Utah to stay in the state of Utah, especially in basketball, because it's exceptionally difficult. And when you're in the WCC, okay, cool. When you're in the Pac-12, that's an athletic conference. I yeah. mean- now, it's not a great basketball conference, but are you ever going to out-recruit Arizona? Are you ever going to out-recruit UCLA until UCLA's in the Big Ten? Probably not, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you're not – Oregon has had some sneaky success. I don't know if you noticed, but one of the best three-point shooters ever went to Oregon State, right? I mean, you have to at some point take that step up if you're Utah basketball because there's no reason for it. Yeah, there, There's no reason for Utah basketball to struggle. There's not. You have a really good coach. You have really good infrastructure. I think Harlan's an excellent athletic director. Got to recruit, man. There's just no reason for it. Now, again, both these programs are kind of in flux. You're going from, you know, a guy like Coach K left you in a terrible, Larry Kriskoviak left you in a terrible place. But you look Spinal. at Dave Rose and that transition. And, you know, like, you're so you're, you got to get better now. You got to get better now. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. Uh, Rand says basketball is basketball at least is more level than football. Well, that's true. Uh, Greg Hawkins says basketball doesn't move the money needle though, except for one month a year. I totally agree with that. Uh, football's the moneymaker. Yes, it is. Rance. I would agree with that. Um, Rance says Utah schools could end up like Nebraska, CU in four or five years. NIL portal stuff. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. I don't know what Utah's doing NIL-wise. It is so frustrating to try and figure out how to reach Utah players for NIL deals. Yeah. It is incredibly frustrating. Like, for 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 BYU with, with Coog Connect and, like, all of, the, all of the programs working at BYU, easy to do NIL deals with, with BYU players. Right. It's damn near impossible at Utah. Like, forget it. It is damn near impossible at Utah to to do anything of uh, uh, that's productive even. Well, and it's like they think that NIL doesn't exist on a certain level. You know, I mean, it's, it is literally like, hey, we're going to make it super difficult to do anything and our players are not readily available. Cool. Well, I got news for you. Little brother down south, team down south, BYU makes it very easy. And so then... When, when later this year, when things start moving and, you know, you see more BYU players doing stuff, you're a Utah fan. You're like, Hey, what the hell is happening? 
Well, that's what's happening. Why is there a bias to BYU? Yeah, and it's like, no, dude, there's not a bias. Well, it's because like, of things like, but with all due respect, like guys like Coog Connect and that group of people are actively out doing things. They're like actively out communicating and they're yeah. creating content. Like who's the NIL? Who's the NIL people? It, it who's the group of NIL boosters supporting Utah? Um, there's not one. There's not um, one. There's not. And it's damn near impossible. I don't understand the Utah NIL thing. I, I got to be honest with you. How is Britton Covey the I, only one who ever did anything? I don't understand. And listen, the Built Bar deal is not what I'm talking about. The Built Bar deal is spectacular and scholarship money, spectacular deal. But what is Utah doing? So, somebody explain to me how there is such an imbalance in NIL Effort, money, results from ton to TDS. That's team up north. See what he did there? So team. T so so T U N team up north and then TDS is team down south. You see you see how that kind of comes together and everything? He he, he did a really good job like with the abbreviations and in, in, in the proper proper nomenclature here. Nomenclature. Yeah, the the the, the proper nomenclature. I team would, up north and team down south. I would love to understand why Utah is struggling with NIL. Because I, I, honestly, I don't understand it. And I'll just, because they're, they've been great to deal with, the guys at Coog Connect have been fabulous to deal with. They yeah. do a great job. They do a, they, they really are, I mean, they're out in front of it. They are, yes, they yes, are, yes. yeah, they're on the forefront. They are, they are setting precedent for NIL. Like, Coo Connect is doing everything that you want to be doing. And nobody at Utah is doing anything close to what Coo Connect or anybody else at BYU is doing. Yeah. How? Yeah, and it's frustrating. Honestly, it's frustrating because it would be great to get It's amazing you know, to me. The Dalton Kincaids of the world. You know, the 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 key. Cam of Rising. The world. Cam Rising, you know, like any of these guys, but Utah just makes it difficult. So, and the thing that is, well, I don't even know that Utah makes it difficult. There's just not, there's not an alumni pipeline of effort and energy at Utah. But, but that's my point. Like, it's, it may not be. So, when I say Utah is making it difficult, I don't mean that, you know, the AD at Utah is like intentionally making NIL difficult. That's not what's happening. It's quite the opposite. So, in NIL land, you know, the school can't really even be involved, if, if that makes sense. You have to go and read on it and everything. But the point is, is that the way it works properly is you have a, a, a group of people, boosters or, you know, you have an, with you the have an alumni program. Yeah. yeah, you have people in your alumni base that are are out willing and able working to further the cause of the current players and athletes at your institution. Yeah. And I can tell you, Notre Dame's NIL stuff out of this world. USC, USC's NIL stuff out of this world. Fight on. Oregon's NIL stuff out of this world. How on earth is Utah not, they're not behind the curve. Don't get me wrong. They're not behind the curve. They don't know where the curve is on <laughs> NIL. Like, I'm being serious. Like, you're not behind the curve. You don't even know what the curve is at yeah. Utah on NIL. And it's shocking to me. You're doing you're doing all of these all of these great things. 
educationally, facilities-wise. You have all of these these alumni, and you alumni are fantastic. Yeah. Fabulous. Unless it's NIL. Yeah. How is there not a group that it that are not promoting current players in the community at Utah? I I I I it's stunning. Yeah. As somebody and I can tell you one of the things we've tried to do is we have tried to connect with with Utah players to make them money through our partnerships and have them on our show. <laughs> Haven't gotten a phone call back. Haven't gotten a text message back. Haven't gotten an email back. We have ad partners wanting to attach to Utah football players. Can't get a phone call. Can't get a contact number. Can't, nothing. No, I guess not. Nothing. At BYU, like it's an avalanche. Hey, what about this guy? Hey, what about that guy? Hey, like the guys at Coop Connect. Oh, yeah, sure. Like you call those guys one time. One time. Done. Done. Great communication. Easy process. Great. Hey, like. My mind is blown. What are you looking for? Hey, this is what. Not rocket science. Like, and the conversations are easy. The conversation. It's all about taking care of the player. Hey, well, you know, X, Y, Z, like. At Utah? I'm like at, at Utah in all seriousness. You know, you know what you get? Crickets. Bro, that's what you get at Utah. You get crickets. And so the kids on the team, in football and basketball specifically, what do they get? Not what they should be getting. Because I can tell you they're lined up down the block at BYU. Yeah. And there's there's no line at Utah because you just can't communicate with them. Yep. It's crazy. Uh let's see. Uh Rena Rocha says Texas Tech NIL is out of this world. Yeah. Agree. Kane Nuren says BYU football is going to beat Utah every day of the year. Well, and I I think it is, and one of the things that I think as we talk NIL, BYU, and, and Utah here on the Monty Show is that you actually have local BYU alumni. Yeah. Like Silicon Slopes is stocked with them everywhere. Like you have former players that stay here and live in the community and grow their families and yes. they're involved in the church and they're involved in enterprise and you don't have that with Utah. You don't have a, a, a big alumni base in the community. And I think it you're this is where the fruits of that happens. This is where the fruits of this this comes to comes to pass. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rene Roca Rene Roca says uh, if Utah continues to be an NIL black hole, they're done. Kids will go to programs working the game. Oh, there's no doubt about that. That's why BYU with the Built Bar deal, and I give Built Bar a lot of credit. They really stepped up. Yeah. And they really, I mean, paying. There's not a kid that's got to worry about paying for his school on the on the BYU football team. All the walk-ons are taken care of. Like, that's great. And that's all through Built Bar. That's all through NIL. Like, it, that makes a difference when you're talking about recruiting. Greg Hawkins says, BYU taking advantage of NIL makes sense, though. They've had to figure out their own way for the past 10 years. The donor pipeline is there partially because they weren't getting conference money. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. But yeah. I, 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 I respectfully, I just think it doesn't alleviate the fact that that Utah is just dropping the ball. I mean, Utah just, again, with all due respect, I'm not trying to hate, but 
you're in a you're in a time when NIL is a massive contributor to like getting players in your program. Like it's a massive contributor to your relevance, and you're getting your ass handed to you by BYU. With all due respect to BYU, man, well, you can. It's not optional. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and this is what we've learned through the transfer portal and what what we've learned through NIL deals is the two work together. So. If you have BYU and Utah sitting next to each other and Jimmy, the transfer kid, is like, hey, want to play running back? Jimmy from Poughkeepsie. Well, honest to good, that happens every day. Kids in the portal wants to come to Utah, but BYU has a much better NIL pipeline. All gas, no break. Now what? Well, the kid's going to get more money and have more opportunities at BYU. Which is going to allow him to go further in his football career and have a better time. And after football, because let's be honest, 99% of these kids are never going to wear a helmet on Sunday, right? There's got to be life outside of that. And there's got to be what they're passionate about. Your, your enterprise, the, the, the internship opportunities at BYU are far and away better than the internship opportunities at Utah, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Crazy. But it's absolutely true. And that's why, like, the whole Silicon Slopes thing, absolutely it matters. It absolutely matters because that gives you opportunity to earn money. You have BYU alumni that are at Adobe. You have BYU alumni that are at, at Vivint and, like, all these huge tech companies that are that are down south of the mountain. Again, TDS. T- thank you. Thank you. Proper nomenclature. Team down Silicon Slopes, right? Right, right. Well, but that's yes, that yes, makes yes. it that makes a huge difference. So you have all these opportunities and you have all this money flowing through BYU through alumni and NIL deals. Yes. Now you can't just look past that. And now if you're a kid in the transfer portal, or if if you are if you are a you know, think about the names locally of late, like the Bartons or Zach Wilson, for instance. Like if you look at those kids. The choices are different now. If you're a Kafusi, you can play at BYU or you can play at Utah. Or yeah. If you're one of those local names, you're a legacy kid, it's not as simple as, well, my brother played at Utah, so I'm going to go play at Utah. Or my brother played at BYU, so I'm going to go play at BYU. Mm-hmm. If your dream ultimately is to be a lawyer, well, maybe maybe you're going X. If your dream is to be a titan of, of business, maybe you're going Y. Maybe you want that Marriott School of Business. Yes. Maybe you want. Maybe you want to be end up ultimately at Adobe. So you're going to go to BYU. See, like it's 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 not that simple anymore. Yes. So when you look at these NIL deals and you look at guys like Coog Connect again, just because we have dealt with them and we know them. Yeah. They're really easy to deal with. Yeah, and that's how it should be. And and that's why I was disappointing that that there is no. Ute Connect, if you will, or whatever, you know, whatever you'd call it. Like, there's no program for it. It sucks. It's it's really surprising. All right, a couple yeah. more on this because I do. By the way, while we're sitting here chatting about this, I would love to hear your thoughts on, hey, BYU versus Utah, Jaron Hall. Is Jaron Hall a, legit, a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate? It is, is, I think Cam Rising without a doubt. Cam Rising without a doubt. But I will tell you as we compare Cam and, and Jaron. Yeah. I think Jaron Hall's the factor of Jaron Hall being an unknown is both a help and a hurt. It's a positive and a negative 
Because I think if Jaron Hall stays healthy, you're going to see what that kid's really capable of. He's a year older now. He's more mature. He's more physically able. His body looks different. Like he's a kid that looks like he's ready to have a season. And that's all it takes is one season. So I'm curious to get your thoughts, uh, what you guys think. All right, Greg Hawkins says, yeah, we need to do something like that at Utah. Uh, Rennie Roca, what did you say? I contribute to a Texas Tech alumni fan and NIL program. We just gave all football players 25K a year, almost every women's basketball player 25K a year at Texas Tech. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's inexcusable. It's almost reprehensible that you wouldn't have an NIL program. Yeah. Uh, Steve Peterson says, with Utah no longer having the P5 advantage and uh, add the NIL deal, BYU will be getting the LDS kids that are good and would have normally gone to Utah. Well, and I I think, you know, the church is interesting. This scandal in the church that broke over the last couple of weeks. You know, there's been a lot of talk about how that will impact, you know, the relationship with the church and how that will, you know, how will that impact you know, a kid's allegiance to BYU because he's in the church or, you know, now maybe he's falling away from like the church is such a, a, an amoeba, you know, like it's constantly changing and evolving the relationship and the strength of the church in the community, the, the relationship with the scouts, like all this stuff that changes with the church. It absolutely impacts BYU's ultimate fate with, with basketball and, and football players. God bless. And it's going to be interesting to see Let's have this conversation in three years and then in five years, and let's see how all of these changes that we're seeing in the church oh boy. impact what's the matter. Oh, oh they're back, bro. They're no, back. the bots are in the chat. I'm Shiva, the god of death. The bots are in. And you know what I've noticed about the bots? Yeah. The bots are evolving. Because how do you mean? now the bots are showing up with different names. Oh. Like they'll change their names by one letter. Uh huh. And then all of a sudden, you know, the bot is. I just, you know. Yeah, it's Jimmy the Moron. That's the bot's name. Yeah. We'll hide the user from the channel. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Anyway, pay attention to how these church issues impact. Because in the state of Utah, whether you know it or not, the church obviously plays a big role. And when you go and serve a mission and you're a Utah recruit that's going to serve a mission, miraculously, you become a BYU football player. (laughs) You know, like, I I think it's an interesting conversation. Uh, Let's see. Mike Pressler uh, tips us $2. Thanks, Mike. He says, Utah admin still has the little brother mindset. Yes. I think you... Do you think Utah fan respects BYU more now? No. You don't? I think Utah Utah fan likes themselves some Utah just the same way Pac-12, you know? Commissioner George Klavkov likes the Pac-12 a lot, you know, and I think that's holding them back. Yeah, I think Utah has to have more. The level of respect has to go up. And the arrogance has to go down. It, it, and it does because I think the thing that we see happening in this, I think this is a perfect comment that, that you're seeing on the screen below. I think when you look at this comment right right, right there. Yeah, that look one. Look at that comment right there. The thing that's so interesting is, I actually think that's very true. I think that BYU has so quietly snuck up. And the rivalry game has played a big role in this. Oh, 10 years in a row. Screw them. Coog my mom. Whatever. Uh, They win one game and they all of a sudden think they're better than us. 
Well, now all of a sudden you're trying to get into the Big 12 and they're already in the Big 12. And now all of a sudden, Jaron Hall is a Heisman Trophy candidate and your guys, Cam Rising was supposed to be, but it's funny how the change so slowly creeps up. When you keep putting your foot on the neck of TDS, uh-huh. and all of a sudden their neck's too big for your foot, uh-huh. now you got to just ask yourself, okay, well, now we lost to them. What now? Let me tell you what now. They're going into the Big 12, and they've got more NIL than we do, and look at the transfer portal. Who had the best transfer portal? Well, I mean, obviously, you get a big win from Oregon. You get a big win from Florida. One each. Well, now it's actually even. You know, like, I, I'm just telling you. can't you, stand Pat and think you're going to do anything. BYU is slowly creeping up. And all of a sudden, you need the Big 12 a little bit. And I know that's a kick in the cojones. The cojones. You know. It is what it is. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, Monty and Jake, BYU fans confirmed. Yeah, you know us. Yeah, Greg, you know us, bro. I'm drinking the blue coin. You know, just buy the gallons, bro. I don't know. This is probably not the right color of BYU blue. BYU blue on the Monty show. And then I spilled Kool-Aid all over my shirt. Wow. How does it it feel? I don't know. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Austin uh, Napierski says Utah hates BYU and BYU hates uh, Utah. Correct. They do. Uh, Steve Peterson says, Mike Pressler, I don't think it's a little brother mindset. It's arrogance. It's the same arrogance BYU had when, when Utah went P5. But did BYU have arrogance or did BYU just see it more clearly? That's a good question. Think about that. Oh, well, we're not going to go to the Mountain West. We're going to go independent because we're arrogant. Because <laughs> we're arrogant. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe Tom Hummel just knew something that nobody else knew and recognized something. Maybe he was an innovator and went independent for 10 years and kicked ass and had unbelievable scheduling and had unbelievable relationships and made unbelievable money. And oh, by the way, there was that little ESPN deal thing that they did that, you know, was a huge success. Who the f*** is that guy? So was it arrogance or was it, hey, we're going to go independent? Yeah. And we see a path forward. Because I don't think you can question a single decision that was made about being independent. I don't think it was arrogant. I just think that it it was vision. It was vision. I, I, I give, I probably am too respectful of Tom Homo, but I think that guy has just absolutely reinvented the wheel in college football revenue making. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what they do. How does BYU continue to evolve NIL? Because it, let's be honest, NIL right now is the Wild West. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be streamlined. Uh, Kay Nuren says, Zach, Zach takes off, has a great year. I think he could. The Jets. Did you see that one hand yes, catch yes, he yes. made? Or the video of the one? Oh. Yes. One handed catch for Zach Wilson. What's the matter? Dude, like, eventually we have to stop being like, oh, this kid's going to have a great year because he made a one handed catch on the sideline on BYU radio. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, the guy, Zach, has a lot of potential. Zach can be a very good quarterback in this league. But he plays for the Jets. And when you play for a crappy organization that's crappy at footballing and hasn't been relevant in 10 years, it's going to be a challenge. And and that's why I say, like, let's not expect this kid to just carry them to the postseason. I do think he's going to be better. I do think his body is in way better shape. He lifted a ton of weights over the offseason. He's clearly put on some muscle. And I think that's going to help him. And, and, and I look forward to what he can do. But I just – the one-handed catch thing, it's just – it's a prime – 
you know, BYU gimmicky thing to roll out there. Oh, well, he made made that one-handed catch at Jets practice. Look how good he's going to be this year. Literally nothing to do with being a quarterback. Well, I, I but he's also looked really good in training camp. I mean, I I will I will agree mm-hmm. with that. I mean, yeah, you, you don't think he has? He's yeah. Yes, he's looked okay. I'm not going to sit here and say the kids looked amazing. Like uh, this is very simple. Hey, week one, come out and stop throwing interceptions. Like come out and and show me that you're a better decision maker. This is the same thing I say about Jaron Hall. Do come out and show me that you're not going to try and run over a 250 pound linebacker who's ready to eat you for lunch. Jake, like, who, who hurt you? Nobody. You seem nobody. But I'm just telling you, I'm not going to give Zach Wilson the benefit of the doubt. I'm tired of hearing about your mom and her friend and that you have that dog in you. I want to see that you can throw it 65 no, yards down had, the field. She had his prairie dog. No, yes, no yes, one. yes. You know. Um, I think Zach Wilson's prime for a big season. Now, you're right. He's got to go out and throw the football and have a big season. But I don't know. Everything seems to be breaking right for, for BYU. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's all man. convenient. The football program at BYU is in a really good spot. The Christopher Brooks win was... I mean, oh, we well, Tyler Algier went on to the NFL. Let's go get Cal football's best player. Like, like, are you kidding? Like, everything they touch turns to gold right now. Yeah. And you're hating. I don't understand it. Is what it is, bro. Steve Peterson says, sorry, I meant along the lines of Bronco not going after talented kids, not independents. Bronco was like, the kids are LDS. They're coming here and didn't do anything to get them. Well, that's true. That's very true. Brian Clegg, good morning to you. He says, hey, y'all, good morning. I actually made uh, tail end of the broadcast on my day off. Anyways, I'm pretty impressed uh, with myself about it. Well, well Brian, congratulations. Attaboy. Congratulations. I, I am proud of you. I love that show. You know, you know. Uh, people think Zach Wilson's going to go wild because he made the biggest offseason move in BYU history. Wow. See, we didn't, wow, we bro. You know, wow. He, he ain't wrong. <laughs> By the way, wow. did anybody see Lisa Wilson's eyebrows on her Instagram? Like, I don't. I can't. I don't. Women and eyebrows are a problem for me. Dude! Yeah, like. <laughs> with all due respect, I don't understand this whole paint your eyebrows on your face and let's just act normal thing. <laughs> Like, aren't you the Joker at that point? If you're taking paint, like, oh my god, dude! I've never understood eyebrows. <laughs> and now, where is the Italian? Now, I gotta tell you, is an is an Italian? Yeah, as I am wanting to be, I'm Italian and Irish and yeah. stuff. Uh, as an Italian, I have quite the bushy eyebrow that right. I I actually yes, I do. I pluck my eyebrows. I pluck my eyebrows. I will never paint my eyebrows. I just, I'm not doing it. I just thought that you would you know, appreciate me treating you like no, an adult. No, I'm not. Don't paint your eyebrows on your face. <laughs> if I isn't dry yet. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. Linda. If I, no, listen, Linda. Lisa. Lisa. If sorry, I, Lisa. I need to give Lisa Wilson some, some beauty tips. Her and I, and she won't come on the show, by the way. I think I told you that last week. Her and I were texting on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. She won't come on the show. She's like, nah, bro. They texted. I, maybe she's learned her lesson. But am I the, first of all, am I the only guy that plucks their eyebrows? <laughs> Do you pluck your eyebrows? No. No, no. idiot. What? What? No. What are you doing with your no. life? You know. Anyway, it is what it is. All I'm saying is. You can't paint your eyebrows. Anyway. I just, uh, your best point was, 
she paints her eyebrows like black, right? Yeah. And then goes on Instagram and does her little hit and just plays it off totally normal. Well, like like can... nothing is nothing has happened. Now we gotta can, can you got should I just screen record this or uh, it won't it won't work because you gotta you got that that won't work. What won't work? The screen record thing. Why? Because we gotta change it to MP4. Can't be. That's movie. Ah. Sorry, bud. Damn it. At some point, maybe yeah. we can. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. It's fine. We don't have technology, bro. But she maybe like we looks need like an she NIL used deal. a sharpie, bro. It does. It's weird. And and Lisa Wilson is usually quite the cat's meow. Like she usually is a well put together girl. And <laughs> god damn, like today she like got on the Instagram and was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Joaquin Phoenix, is that you? Like, <laughs> What's up, motherfuckers? <laughs> it was actually jarring to me to like flip on her Instagram and be like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, at instant boner killer. Guess like, what? whoa! Today Monday, motherfucker. <laughs> whoa! Hey, it's Monday. Lisa's rolling up on the on the gram. Watch out. Anyway, stop. Yeah, well, hey, look, Coop connects in the chat. Oh, uh, so, dude. He says the Joker, LOL. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brian Clegg says, I pluck my nose here. Stop it. Dude. You do not. I've, done, I've made that mistake. <laughs> like twice bro how often are you crying after you pluck yeah, those and, nose hairs and, and that's the worst when you like it, when when you like try to i can't stand when i have like a nose hair like curling out the nostril so yeah, i'm it the, like itches and everything and, and i'm the guy that will yank you. it no, yeah. i'll never do that again oh yeah you yank it huh don't we all <laughs> anyway yeah no i i probably trim my nose hair like twice a week just to be sure i'm like yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, talking with Raphael <laughs> Podcast says, I used to or else I had a unibrow. Yeah, you have to. Tanner Plummer says, I don't pluck my eyebrows, but I know some guys who do. Hey okay. Guys. All right. Well, thanks for keeping it real. Giggity says, can't have an Anthony Davis unibrow. No, you can't. Cody Strickland says, I have my wife pluck my brows. Nice. No matter what happens with Don this offseason or next, he's going to end up in Miami one day with his best friend. Yep. Like, is that after retirement, they'll just be chilling on South Beach? Oh, so nice. You know. Uh, Brian Clegg says, I love it when it hurts. Wow. Good what, what am What am I supposed to say to that? Wh what am I supposed to do with that, More bro? bots in the chat. More bots in the chat. Yeah, well, that's because you got Brian Clegg saying, yeah, I like it when it hurts. <laughs> what the hell do you expect? Yes, look, yes, yes. Look, Trevor Bauer, take it easy. Yeah, chill out, bro. Take it easy. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> Come Are you on. kidding me? Come on. Good Lord. Like the chat is the, the porn bots in the chat. It's an infestation. Yeah. Uh, the big Mugamba says, if you ain't plucking, you ain't fill in the blank. Nah, I'm not going to fill in. No, man. If you ain't plucking. You ain't, you know. No, he's straight pile driving them. Fat Jesus says, I have my tweezers in my car. I pluck my ear hair at stoplights. Oh, my God. Bro. Do you know how bad plucking your... I'm... By the way, I am so pissed at Dollar Shave Club. <sighs> okay, so I'm a Dollar Shave Club guy. We. 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 Yeah. Two O's in dickhead. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I'm a Dollar Shave... Come on, man. So I subscribe to Dollar Shave Club. Mm -hmm. They changed their razor blade handle thing. They sent me like this six blade thing with a handle. It broke on my face today. Oh. Like I'm shaving. I'm like, it's 430 in the morning. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Yep. You sexy as hell. Yeah. Oh! And like, you're just... 
guy. This is my moneymaker right here, Dollar Shave Club. What are you fast. doing? Why would Jacking you Jacking it up. That's what they're doing. I don't understand it. All right. Austin, Austin Napierski says, if Monty doesn't pluck his eyebrows, he's going to look like Frida Montemayor. Exactly, Austin. Frida. Exactly, <laughs> Frida. Uh, Brian Clegg says, bots. Sorry about that. Yeah, stop it. Coot Connect says, bot invasion. We, we, we need Will Smith up in here. Yes, we do. Exactly. Um, Matt Shaw says, get an electric nose trimmer. I have one. I have I have a really good nose trimmer. Uh, I was going to say battery operated, but that would have led to bad Obviously comments. not. Raphael uh, says, Brian Clegg, I plug my nose. I plug my nose hair too, and the pain goes away once you get used to it. So you feel the pain, but God. then it kind of goes away once you get used to it. Dude, the bots are the bots are on lock right now. Bruh. What How is many going bots? on well, today? You know, you know what it is. It's because we have 2,200 views on this video right now. It's live. That's the problem. What is going on with this? Yeah, the you, bots you, you today. You can see. You can see. It's almost like I feel like once we get to like 18, 1900 on the show, then they start coming out. They're like, yeah, all right, you're approaching 2,000. It's time for the bots to roll in. What is the story? Yeah. Um, Shamalzi says, talk basketball. Bro, we did. We did. We did. Go back in the show. It's fine. Kane Ern says, only trim nose hair and eye hair. See, I once I I tried that once and I cut off like half of my eyebrow. <laughs> so I was like, no, bro. Can't do Doesn't it. Make you feel responsible. Cannot do it. Brian Clegg says, not as rewarding for me as to trim them. So the pain is real. Okay, this feels awkward. David Brown says, nice Jordan poster. Yeah. Thank you. It's one of the original Gator. Um Bruce at the Bud Plant gave us that. Yeah. Like years ago. And, and to be clear, that's Bud Weiser, not Bud Weed. Like weed. Yeah, that's different. No, Bruce at the Bud Plant. Yeah. Um, that's an original Gatorade poster, by the way. Uh, ABC Kids Zone says, Don is more marketable than many other of the top 25 players, including All-Stars. Do other teams value marketing aspects when they consider trades? Uh, yeah, I definitely think you do. Cool. Steve Peterson says you pluck your nose hairs, but then you get those really painful zits up there. Oh, my God. You guys, what are you doing? Jake, do you ever get zits in your nose? No, I don't. I don't I get don't. zits in my nose. Those are idiots. I, <laughs> Tanner says I could be wrong, but every time I type Zach Milfson, the sex box show up, and it's probably my fault. Well, Why what are, are you, you doing, bro? What are you doing, man? Okay, now I got to sit up. You're typing Zach Milfson? Why? What is wrong with you? Let's consult the douche meter. You're Zach Milfson. You're... You... I, I don't care. Tanner, please. Okay, can we talk about travel, please? Yeah. Are you... So, I have turned you into a snob here at 9 o'clock on the Monty Show. Let's... Uh, before we do that, before you consider cattle class versus first class, right. let's remind you that we're sending two listeners... Or a listener in a plus one. So Zach Milfson and his ex-girlfriend. Yes! Zach Milfson. Zach Milfson. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're sending a listener to Las Vegas to see BYU and Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. Yeah. It's October 7th and 8th. You get two nights at the Palms Resort Hotel and Casino. You get two tickets to the game and a $250 gas card to get you there. And it's pretty easy to execute, my friends. All you have to do is go to any of our five Utah barbecue pit stop locations, including Logan, Layton, Lehigh, Salt Lake City, and St. George. There's a box on the counter. 
And it says, hey, enter to win. And our beautiful faces are on there. Yeah, you can't miss it. Fill out the slip, drop it in the box. You too could win a trip for two to Las Vegas to see BYU and Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. Thanks to our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not a casual. Unlike some people. You're not a casual. Unlike some people. See, I would never bake wings in an oven. You're a casual. I'm not a savage like that. No, no. I have a Traeger Ironwood 850 smoker in my backyard. Excuse me. It's not an 850. It's an 885. Oh, excuse me. I'm not a casual. I'm not a casual. How'd that KitchenAid oven cook those wings yesterday, Yeah, not great, okay? Anyway, the point is... Cut me some slack. You dummy. The point (laughs) is, I put him on the Traeger 885, Ironwood 885. (laughs) Hey, guys. I dropped in the competition mix pellets. Yeah, no, I'm not even... Turned it up to 425, put the wings on with the, the Italian seasoning that I got at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Where's the Italian? Knocked it out, 425, 35 minutes, perfect wings. That's what I do. That's what I do. Thanks to the guys at Barbecue Pit Stop, which is where I got my <laughs> which is where I got my Ironwood 885 smoker from. Yeah. And my competition pellets and my my seasoning and my tools because you get everything you need. And did you know now that Barbecue Pit Stop actually has a meat counter in every store. So if you go to, like, Logan has a full-time butcher at the Barbecue Pit Stop in Logan. Y'all feel me? You need your meat? Yeah. Yeah. You can get your meat at Barbecue Pit Stop with your smoker. And I got to tell you, I don't know, man. I'm a Traeger guy. But they've got a selection of smokers that will Yoder. The Yoder smoker they yeah. lift. So check them out at uh, Barbecue Pit Stop in Logan, Lehigh, St. George, Salt Lake City, and Layton. It's Barbecue Pit Stop and enter to win the BYU trip. It's the only way that you can win. Yes. Is to go to Barbecue Pit Stop, fill out the slip, put it in the box. You can enter more than once if you like. When you're there, check out the seasonings. Trust me. It's like 10 bucks. Check it out, Super dude. good. It's super, super good. I'm telling you. Super good. And it is all brought to you by our good friend, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666, NMLS number Two seven eight five four five, and I say it every day on this show. I'll say it again. If you want to be one of just a number in a, a list of thousands who are trying to get mortgages and they're 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 not getting the best deal possible, they're getting the deal that makes the mortgage guy the most money. Go call somebody else. If you want one-on-one personal service that's going to net you the best result on your mortgage, call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. You can talk to him directly. He's going to tell you, hey, here's here's this. This is X. This is Y. Oh, hey, you need help with a down payment because you think you can't afford to buy a house because you don't have money to put down? Devery Davis has a program for you because he's got it all and his level of customer service is through the roof because you deal with Devery directly. And I'm telling you now, it makes a huge difference on your mortgage payment. And that's the bottom line. Rates are under 5% again. Call Devery today. 801 543 9666 NMLS number 278545 Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. Let's talk cattle class versus first class. Jake, go. Yeah, I, you know, I once was a young kid, impressionable, and I flew cattle class a lot. But then last year, I flew first class with Delta, and it was incredible. And now we're going back to Hawaii. Uh, in September, and not only am I flying first class, flying Delta One, which is incredible, and I'm super stoked about it. So, yeah, now I'm a snob. Thanks. I'm a first class guy. Okay, what? 
Okay, what, what's Renee Roca says, zits in your nose. Call a dermatologist. That's weird. Yeah, please respect my privacy. Next question. Yeah, isn't that HIPAA, Dak? Like, yeah, come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, Kay Nuren says, don't forget your ear hair. Think that's is this really one? a thing? Is this really a are, conversation? This is really what you guys want to run with right, right now. You guys are really into... Pl please tell me you don't pluck your nose hair and your, your ear hair. You're oh. casual. Get a trimmer. They're like $4. You don't pluck that stuff. <laughs> Tom Basilis says, for the best result, eat your plucked hair. <laughs> How, bro? How do we get here, dude? And just kind of scruff it and play with it when it's wet. Like, what? how do we get here? Um, David Brown says, so did Jordan push off on Byron Russell on the shot? No. <laughs> no, uh, idiot. What? Uh, Tanner Plummer says, no, he didn't, David, and I'm a jazz fan. Uh, Rant says, go to Vegas for a BYU game. Nah, dude, it's amazing. Allegiant Stadium, it's really, amazing. It's it's BYU, Notre Dame at Allegiant Stadium. It's going to be pimped, dude. Justin Salas says, I've lost my meat. If I go to Barbecue Pit Stop, can they help me find it? Justin? Yes, yes, yes. That's a crime in most states. Brian no, no, Cle no. <laughs> Brian Clegg says, <laughs> so does eating plucked nose hair make you more viral? Virilly, for viral, does it make you have a boner? I don't know. Great, uh, the bots are going to come back in a minute. Uh, Jordan owned Reds like Tommy Brady fumbled away the Super Bowl. Okay, that's cool. Refs, he says refs. Okay, Brian Clegg sends us a one dollar and ninety nine cent super sticker. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, talking with Raphael podcast says I think uh, Monty needs to sponsor Manscaped. Seriously. Uh, Rennie Roca says, let's talk wings. No more nose hair. Exactly. Yeah. I got to tell you, man, I got to tell you, I'm an all drums guy. So I got the all drums, poured them into a bowl, took the, oh, the name Kinders. of Kinders Italian seasoning. I got it at barbecue pit stop in Lehigh. Yep. Now, what do you think of the Italian seasoning? Cause I think, so we've tried, we've tried several. Dude. We've tried the mesquite barbecue. I think it was, and that was a little hot for my taste, but this Italian one, I feel like has been pretty good so far. I'm telling you now, this Italian seasoning from Kinder. Where's the Italian? Forget it. It's the best. And I'm not the hottest guy, like when it comes to, like I'm sexy and stuff, but. When Congratulations, it, but that's bullshit. When it comes to like seasoning, I don't like super spicy. Right. The Italian seasoning on the wing. And I am also the guy who says double spice your wings, man. Like put them in the bowl, pour a ton of seasoning in there, shake them up. Put more seasoning in, shake them up, put them on the smoker, dip them in ranch. It's over. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you can't get, if you can't, my God, dude, it is, you, you don't need Viagra anymore. Just eat those wings. Like it's over. <laughs> it's yes, over. You did. Yes, you did. It is. Uh, ABC Kids Zone says only 48 miles per gallon per position. How do they play IQ? Grimes, like, what do you, you mean minutes about? per game? ABC Kids Zone? I don't know, man. I, they'll figure it out. Uh, Tanner says, well, not everyone will be watching at K because Bama and Texas A&M will be playing at the same time. Okay. Uh, Renee Roca says, less pluck, more chuck. Well. Get it like clock, rather, he said. More clock. Uh, let's see. Derek Firth says, first time watching live. Like listening to you guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. Minutes per game, ABC Kid Zone says. I agree. It's minutes per game. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. All the basketball talk, 90 minutes to start the show today. If you'd like to flip back, you can do that. Uh, both start 0-1, Rance says. Nah, I think Utah beats Florida. 
so they won't both start 0-1. All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay. All right, so I am now a snob. Okay, what does this look like? I am a first-class guy. I will not fly cattle class anymore. Okay, why not? And the, Well, the reason is, one, I'm tall. I'm like, I'm just under 6'3 and 3 quarter. And leg, leg room, knee space is huge for me. I will pay for an aisle seat. I will pay for an emergency exit row. But, man, once you sit in first class, dude, that's like going from a six-foot blonde to a five-foot gray hair. I don't even know, man. Right. Your dream girl to not a dream girl. Right. I, like, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different experience. A different experience? Yeah. A different experience? Yeah. Sitting in first class is the only way to travel. That's it. Like I and now, I actually pay for all my own travel. I do. I pay for all my own travel. We're going to Maui on on the first weekend of September. Right. I am paying for first class. I paid for first class already. Yeah. So you know, like I think. Same. I I could I don't know it would be really difficult for me to fly anything. I could do business. I could do like you know like economy plus. I guess I'll never fly coach again. I will never fly coach. Yeah, I mean, look, so here's the thing. When you're, I think flying coach on like a one hour up and down flight is fine. I think when you're four hours plus. To be back there with the great unwashed? Come on, guy. People are going to think you're real. I'm not, I'm not being serious. I, the reason I can't fly coaches, I just, I, the, it's the seat is so uncomfortable for my knee. Yeah. And I, like, and I, can I can't get down do with that. that. Like, I totally get it. Hey, you're taller. You want the leg room. I totally get it, but I'm, I'm not I, like for me, I, I, like I said, it depends on the flight. So as an example, like this trip where we're going to Maui, we're actually going to the big Island first, then we go to Maui. So it's actually like several flights. So first flight out. So first of all, they're all first class. Cause that's how I want to do it on this trip. But the first flight out, because it's like five or six hours, is Delta One. You know, that's the the first the first part, which I'm really excited about. So Delta One, you get like the cubicle and everything that you get to like sit and like lay in and everything. So that's what I'm that's what I'm excited. About. Come on, bro! How many, dude? How the, many the today? Bots, the bots are unbelievable. I, I'm attributing this bot activity to Brian Clegg. That's what I'm I'm attributing it to. You Brian. are. Yeah, it, it's on him today. He's the one that made the comment about whatever, and and now they started pouring in. Yeah. Um, as far as first class versus other, if you're flying long, so, wow. <laughs> <laughs> if you're flying a cross continental flight, if you're going to Europe, if you're going to Hawaii, if you're going to the other side of the globe, you have to do it. If you're going to sleep on a plane, you have to do first class. Yeah. You have to, yeah. it is a, it is a def- it is a different experience, man. I'm telling you. It's worth the money. Is it worth the money? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's worth the money. It was about, you know, man, I have heartburn even saying this, but it was like eight G's back when I paid for it. Yeah. It was a lot. But see, this is also but why that I was have for a- every flight though. I want to be really clear. That wasn't for just one flight. That was five flights, all first class, both me and the girlfriend, like, you know, taken care of. But this is also why I use Amex and Delta Amex. Yeah. Oh, that's the other side of it. So we both have Delta cards. And yeah. It's like, you so, know, it's all yeah, set up. I'm racking that up. And, all right. Yeah. Let's see how much of a snob we are. Only been, um, I'm not sure what that says. I've only <laughs> okay. been like, okay, so far, but I'm sure first class is super nice. Cattle class. Okay. I've only been cattle class so far. First class is super nice, but I've only been on like three flights my whole life. <clears throat> And they were Phoenix to Salt Lake. Oh, come on. 
Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Brian Clegg, everything's your fault when it comes to porn bots. That's right. Uh, Justin Sal says, I'm 5'7". I live in the middle of the country, so all my flights are only two to three hours, so I go cheap and fly Frontier. Yeah, see, and I you think that's fine. You fly Frontier? Okay, Frontier's sketch as hell, bro. You, you can't be doing Frontier. You that's fly sketch, Frontier? Dude. That's sketch. No. That's sketch. There's dude. no such thing as flying frontier. Yeah, sorry, man. I can't I can't do that. That's Hell unsafe no. in my opinion. No. Fat Jesus says, as a coach guy, thank you for going to first class. If I saw your huge frame walking down the aisle, I would be thinking, don't sit next to me. Don't sit next to me. Oh, we all play that game. Oh my god. We all play that game on plane. When the six foot blonde gets on the plane, you're like, Oh, come on, baby. Like you're like <laughs> you're like moving your head a little bit. You're like, Hey, seats seat seats hey, open. Man. Come on, man. <laughs> You know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're always hoping for somebody good sitting next to you. Uh, greasy hand, Sean Butterfield. What's up, Sean? He says, have to get to work. Thanks for all you do, both uh, the show and in the community. Have a great Monday. You too, Sean. Appreciate you See being you, buddy. here, man. Uh, Justin says, my man, I can get from Austin to Salt Lake City for like $40. But, oh, so, my But God. that's my point, though. On when Frontier. You, dude, when you're doing like just hour-long flight, I wouldn't pay for first class either. It's not worth it in, in short format. But I think... There is serious value when you're like six, seven hours. That there is big time value. What airlines won't you fly? Uh, any airline except Delta. I'm a Delta guy. I'm committed to Delta. That's my airline. I think they're safe. I think they provide a great experience. Oof. I've never had issues at gates or like like when we were in the in the height of the thing we can't talk about because YouTube hates when we talk about it. Getting the clear program to get through airports was incredible with Delta. Like it was, they made it a great experience. That's why, that's why I've kind of married up to Delta. Cause I have the card. I like the experience and I'm just a fan. I don't know why your comment got filtered, but, um, he's asking, uh, Justin's asking, not solace. Justin, the other Justin's asking what supplements we use. Oh, okay. Do you want to really yeah. talk supplements? Yeah, we okay. can talk supplements in a minute. I, mean, I will just simply say I'm a Delta guy too. I'll fly Delta jet blue. I will not fly like Spirit ever. Yeah. I will never fly Frontier. Like I'm, yeah. I've heard so many. I flown Frontier one time. It was a puddle jumper from Los Angeles to Lake Tahoe, and it was the scary. It was a prop jet, a propeller prop. That was one of the scariest things I have ever done. That was a bumpy flight. I almost died. Like when I got off that plane, <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Jesus." Like I am. <laughs> Oh man! Hey, what does Steph say? Bless up, bless yeah, up, bl right? yo, bless bl up, bless up. Like when I got yeah, off the plane, up. my God. Matt Shaw says I love Delta SkyMiles that don't expire. Exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, Renee Rocha says I've flown from Dallas to Europe a number of times. Coach, as long as I'm drinking booze, I'm fine. I well, just, and that's the other side of it. You know, again man. with first class. So, see, this is the conversation. The food you get, the level of drink you get is better. Ooh. You know, and and I, I don't know, man. Like I think. This kind of falls into the category of like what kind of car you own and like, you know, like are well, you like it, yeah. it is the materialistic side of life. There's no doubt about it. You can fly coach for a gazillion hours on end and you'll be absolutely fine. I'm not doing that anymore. Now that I now that I make enough money that I can afford to do first class, I'm going to do first class and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think domestically, I think you're right, Matt Shaw, I think said that. Where is it? Right there. First class domestic is not worth it. I think if you're flying less than three hours, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it. Having flown from Phoenix to Bristol, Connecticut several times, I upgraded myself to business. It was worth what it. What about exit row and cattle class? Do you think I can that's do a that. hack? Yeah, do you I, think that's a hack? I do think it's a hack. It's cheaper. And as long as you have, 
as long as you have leg room, that's the thing for me. Like the leg room is huge because I don't want to sit with my knee bent the yeah, entire time. It really, like, it, it can become painful if you sit like that for too you long. You got to get up and then you got to walk around. And Kaneran says, yes, give me Hawaii and San Diego every year. Disneyland is my wife's favorite place. Big 12 needs both. Exactly. Yep. There you go. Yep. Um, as far as supplements that we take. So, by the way, for those of you that listen to the show, if you're in Salt Lake, you can go to Max Muscle in South Jordan, right by uh, right by Costco, and use the promo code Monty15. We'll get you 15% off. But um, as far as whey protein is super expensive right now. So if you're a protein taker, I would tell you that I am either Ghost or I am Max Muscle Protein because they both taste really good. The Max Muscle um, chocolate protein is amazing. Um, I actually, my favorite protein is the peanut butter cereal milk protein from Ghost. That is easily the best tasting one. Yeah. Um, I'm actually in the market. If you're a, if you're a, a supplement guy, what what is the best pre-workout? Please do not tell me. Please do not tell me C4. Because <laughs> I will not be, I will not be using... I'm sorry as I reply to a text. I will not be using um, C4. Yeah, I think C4 is just like the entry point. I think there's, you know, we use, what is it, bodybuilding.com's pre-workout, and it works good. It'll make your face tingle. It'll get it you going. It doesn't mix up well at all. Yeah, but it works, and that's what matters. It works. So so being that it works, that's what we use, but we are in the market for a new one. Yeah, I'm pretty, it, like, Max Muscle has one called Pre-Blast that I like. I really like their Promax Whey Protein. Um, but I don't know. I'm going to, I'll try max muscles pre-blast and see what that, what, what that does. But I, as far as supplements go, I take a pre-workout. Um, I generally, I use Emerge, which is an energy supplement. It's BCAs. It's phenomenal product. Really good. Get tons of energy, mental clarity. Get the one, go to max muscle in South Jordan, use the promo code, get the one in the red bag. I'm a peach guy. Cherry's not half bad. Yeah. Peach, peach mango and, and cherry are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm good with those two flavors. Their Promax protein's tough to beat. It mixes up. It tastes really good. Um, but I use Ghost or I use um, Max Muscle Pro Pro Whey Protein. Yeah. Um, but as far as like what I like, I take L Carnitine as well, like Liquid Carn, um, which is great. It's a it's a it's not a fat burner. I, I want to make sure people get this. It's not a fat burner. It helps you process fat for energy, and it works great. Like every time I use carnitine, I Shred, drop a bro. bunch of fat. I it just it leans you out. It's a natural product, so it's not. It's one of the most studied supplements that in creatine, which I also use by the way. I get my creatine at Max Muscle, but so I would tell you that the supplements that are core for me: whey protein, uh, pre workout carnitine. Those are the things that I use. Um, I get most of that at, at Max Muscle. Their Emerge product is probably my number one. But um, yeah, I take I take protein a lot. Somebody was asking me if I use protein. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rance says y'all swole. I don't know about all that. Um, we're doing this cut group, by the way, that started Friday. Yeah, the casuals getting cut group. If you're on Instagram, follow us on Instagram, the Monty Show, M O N T Y, the Monty Show, and Jake is S L C Supercars. Ask us. It's a great group of. We have a really good community built up of just support. Like, hey, here's what I'm making. Hey, does does anybody have a like? Somebody was asking for a chicken recipe in the in the group. Like, yeah, there's about thirty of us in an Instagram group, and we're basically because, like I was just saying, we were just talking about the Hawaii trip. 
We're going to Hawaii uh, September 4th, I believe it is, I think. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do this sh this cut or this shred until October 1st. Uh, and there's a group of us, and it doesn't cost you anything. It's just something that literally happened on the fly on the show on Friday. And, you know, if you want to be involved in it, that's great. If not, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, and, and you can absolutely um, reach out. It's totally fine. I mean, But, like, people are posting their, their – like Cody Strickland this morning uh, earlier about, you know, 90 minutes ago said, hey, I got to go – because I'm going to go to the gym. And then what did I get about, you know, a half hour ago or whenever that was, a picture of his workout because he shared it with the group. So that's all it is. It's it's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, it, it's been a um, – it's fun. I, I like I, I like helping people. You know, like that's the, that's the number one thing that it is, you know, it it's so easy to get discouraged when you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to be in fitness. Yeah. I mean, it is really – it is really easy to get discouraged. Uh, let's see. Uh, Renee Roca says, I take Optimum Nutrition Gold Standard from Costco and creatine in my coffee. I used to be an Optimum Nutrition guy, but I don't know. I, I think their quality has slipped a little bit. And when you, when you find like Max Pro or Ghost Protein, those two, the quality is so much higher and it's not more expensive. So that's why I, I do it. Uh, Renee Roca says, personally, I can't stand 365. Not my cup of tea. 365. Let's see. Uh, John Anguiro says, hey, they're from Abilene, Kansas. What's up, John? Abilene, Kansas. I think you guys need to have uh, the guys from uh, Sikkim 365 Radio. The guys are out of Waco, Smokey, Craig, and Paul. All this football rumors are crazy. I love both radio shows. Thank you. I appreciate and that. Look, I think that... I think that as far as rumors and college football expansion and everything, I think, you know, yeah, they, it, it is a lot of rumor mill. I mean, that's just the honest truth of it. But I think that, you know, depending on where you're at, geographically speaking, your perspective is probably going to be different. You know, our, our thoughts on like, again, not to keep pumping the Bob Thompson interview, but I just think it brings a lot of clarity. You know, in that interview, Bob talked a lot about how he thought that the PAC 12 had a route to survive without UCLA. And I adamantly disagree with that, you know, but that's the beautiful thing about that conversation is that, you know, I, what did you say? He's in Abilene. I think he said, yeah, like, Abilene, Kansas. you know, like when you're in Abilene, you're obviously going to have a different perspective than, than a show that's in Salt Lake or a guy from, you know, a former guy from Fox who had the big picture views. So that's why I say, like, I don't know about having him on, but I think that it's 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 definitely good as a listener to get different perspectives for sure. Yeah, and I, I think that, yeah, that's huge. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it is, you have to have the source on your show. That's why we're really selective about the guests we have on, but Bob Thompson from Fox was... It was, was awesome, man. He was. It was yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Uh, talking with Raphael Podcast, is there a supplement for joints or ligaments? Glucosamine. Glucosamine, glutamine. I would tell you if you're like, I need protein because the thing that helps your joints is stronger. Like I don't have an ACL in my left knee, so I have to make sure my quads, hamstring, calves are strong um, to support my knee. And it's not for me, it doesn't impact my quality of life, like snowboarding, basketball, all that stuff. I would tell you, and I guess it depends on everyone's situation, right? Like it depends what you weigh and what you put your body through and like, you know, all those different factors that you we all know and love. But what I would tell you is helping your joints is a lot more water because that will definitely yes. help your joints. Uh, what'd you say? Glucosamine, I think. Glucosamine. Glucosamine, yep. you know, that'll help. But I, but I think just that overall fitness every day, what I'm noticing just in the three days that we've been doing this group is 
I did a I did a late night gym sesh where I did some running, and what I noticed is that yeah, you feel that a little bit in your body, but you also feel a little better as you work more activity in. So I think that could help too. You know, you're never gonna find me running. I just don't believe in the benefit of it unless you're training for a race. And it's interesting. Um, there's a uh, fitness channel I follow. Um, and they just did a run a mile every day for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And they were training for a 10K. And they had never run a race before. And they're like, yeah, the, it just beat the crap out of your body. It's impossible, man. Like, it, the science says that if you incline walk at a certain, like for me, it's I walk at a 10 incline at a 3.0 on the, on the, on the, the treadmill. And it's, it's amazing. The benefit from it is amazing. So yeah. Are you guys going to do shows in Hawaii? In fact, we will be doing shows in Hawaii. Uh, Fat Jesus says, does 805 do anything for you? I drink two pints a day. 805. I don't know what 805 is. I have is. no idea what that is. Uh, Jose Luis BG says, we're cutting until the Timberwolves are sent to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you know, well, no, back to the West because they're in the East right now. See, see what I did there? They're they're in the East. They got to get sent back to the West. Yeah, you guys you guys missed it. It's fine. Jake. Yeah. You're stupid. Thank you. Anyway. Thank you. Those are idiots. <laughs> For those of you who don't get that reference, Jake said like a month ago now, he, he misspoke and said the Timberwolves were in the East. Bro, they're, what are you talking about, man? They're in the West. It was the day he had smoked crack that morning. It was fine. Yeah, I anyway, just, you know, it was one of those you know, days. He lost his mind. It, it is what it is, you know? You know, uh, <laughs> Justin Stiles has been running marathons for five plus years now. The best way to help joints is build up the muscle around it. Absolutely right. Yeah, and so that's Absolutely what I mean. Right. I'm not advocating to just run till you see fit. Like, I didn't just go and run a half hour. Like, I'm a, I personally, for me... I'm a big believer in HIIT training. I think it, it for me, I feel really good when I do it. Um, Does the I, science back that up? Yeah, sure. Maybe the science doesn't back it up, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have any benefits. Well, I'm not like, saying it I, doesn't have benefit. What I'm saying is the impact on your body, the 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 drain on your central nervous system and the, the, the volume. And this is why I say like lose five pounds and I guarantee you your ankles, knees, and hips will feel better. You know what I mean? Like when you just lose that weight, if you'll dedicate yourself for six weeks at a time, six weeks, lose 10 pounds, you're going to feel incredibly better. Six weeks, lose 10 more pounds, you're going to feel incredibly better. The only thing I don't like about incline walking is you don't get you don't get the intensity of uh, uh, elevated heart rate the way you do with, with HIIT training. I'm not saying that the science says that running's better for your body or no, there's no. not negatives. But what I am saying is that we shouldn't just sit here and paint running in a, in a terrible light. Like, I think that, yes, there are prices to pay if you run your ass into the ground for a month straight. Yes, there is. You're, you're going to feel it in your knees. You're going to feel it in your back. Like, you will feel it. What I think, in and this is where I come down on it, is I think the benefits from running can be had through, through incline walking for 30 minutes a day four to five days a week. I, you can do that. And I have never been the guy who enjoys running. We used to, Mrs. Monty and I used to run every day, six days a week. And I hated every minute of it. And I've never been a running fan. And yet I, yesterday I stood on a treadmill and I walked for 30 minutes and it, it, it's, it just works for me. And that's, I think ultimately the message is you have to find what works for you. If you like running, go running. If you like walking, go for a walk. I just think you whatever gets your body moving is is what you need. Matt Shaw says with cardio you have to mix it up: biking, elliptical, running, because your body gets used to repetitive exercise. So you have to shake it up. And what happens is is you condition your body more, 
it's more and more difficult to raise your heart rate to the, the top of your heart rate zone. It's more, it's more difficult to get to the 160s, 70s, and 80s. You know, and, and so you have to work harder. And muscle confusion, I don't know. Is that a thing? I'm more of a progressive overload guy, um, which means, hey, I'm going to do this week, I'm going to do three sets of 10 reps at five pounds. Next week, I'm going to do three sets of 10 reps at 10 pounds and so forth and so on. And then when I get to the top of the weight and I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm at my top weight, I'm going to do four sets of 10 reps at five pounds. And that, like, you know what I mean? Like you're progressively overloading. That's how I go about it. And I've seen phenomenal success from it. But yeah, again, I agree with Matt. You got to find what, what, what works and what keeps you going. Renee Roca says, I used to run, went from 5k to full marathon. Now I walk because it's too much impact on your knees. And I think that's something as well. The more you run, the more, you know, joint pain you're going to get. Anybody that runs on a consistent level knows what knee tendonitis is, knows mm -hmm. what, hey, my foot hurts today for no reason. That's just part of running. It's part of playing basketball. Hey, my shoulder hurts. Why? I have no idea. Hey, look at this bruise I but got. Like, that's what I mean. Like basketball is a great example. You're never going to get the, the, the intensity of the basketball cardio out of something like incline walking. Now, incline walking has a ton of benefits. It is way lighter on your body. Like you can get good burn out of it, but I, but it's just different. It's not like mentally, it's a different game to play yes. than, than like basketball or, or running. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not advocating for, you know, like just running for 40 minutes straight. I, I think that that is not worth it, but I do think there is nothing that in fitness that will replace just an all out 10 to 20 minute, you know, sprint for a minute, chill out for 30 seconds, pushing yourself mentally that way. I, I think it has benefits mentally, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. I think anything endurance has benefits um, mentally. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt. Here's the study I was talking about. Yeah. According to new research in the journal Nature Communications, running regularly trains your central nervous system. However, it creates significant damage over time in your central nervous system that cannot be reversed. So if you are running, you need to supplement, which I totally agree with, mm -hmm. to offset the damage. Just so, like protein? or well, But what that means is, yeah, I think like carnitine is a perfect example. One of the things that I take very seriously is brain health. Mm -hmm. And carnitine definitely helps with your brain. It's why I supplement creatine every day because creatine helps with your brain. Um, like you look at all the different things that you do to your body. We damage our body by sitting down. Like, I mean... Everything you do physically has a, a reaction and an, and an mm -hmm. opposite reaction. You just mm -hmm. have to remember that. Modest Man says, I hate exercising. Now that I'm 41, um, now that I, uh, I hate exercising. Now that I'm 41, I have to make myself ride a bike every day. But damn, it's hard to motivate. Well, dude, I, and, I, and again, we don't benefit at all from this personally. We make no money on it. It's not something that we're trying to sell at all. Yeah. But we have this little group thing happening. And that's part of what, what I've loved about it. Like, it's only been a couple of days, but I think, you know, and even right now, I mean, we're getting, you know, messages in this group and you're more than welcome to join the group, man. I'm telling you, just try for a couple of days. Like we got a message, a couple of messages is from like, you know, Sean Butterfield, Cody Strickland, like people who listen to the show are just in this group helping each other, like stay motivated. You know, one of the messages was, hey, you know, I haven't had Mountain Dew for three days since we started this and I, you know, I'm already starting to feel it a little bit, which is great, you know? 
So if you need some of that, I would DM us. We'll add you to that group. It's a it's a great little thing that's happening. Uh, Top Junkie says, my knees don't hurt yet. I stopped running six months ago to preserve my knees, turning 50 next month. Oh, so am I. Same age, Top yeah. Junkie. Uh, my friend David uh, Garibaldi, drummer for Tower of Power, had both hips replaced due to endurance running. See, well, that's what I mean. That's crazy, bro. And the, the, the thing that people don't think about is it just the pounds of pressure that you put on your knees, hips, and ankles. It's incredible. And again, I more look at I more look at like your central nervous system, like the nerve damage that you do to your back, to the the nerves that run through your back and your spine, you won't even believe how much pressure are put on those nerves when you're running. So, and if you don't have a good gait, and if you don't have good shoes, and if you like it's just the whole thing. It's just not my thing. And hey, you want to run? Knock yourself out. Be a cripple. I don't give a damn. Um, anyway. Yeah, just as long as you can show up every day, we're good. <laughs> uh, 805 is a beer from Cali, I think, Big Dog says. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Matt Shaw says, uh, I like all things. You have to do things in moderation, certain exercises. Yeah. I eating, agree with that a lot. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And I, I do think HIT training has a good place in people's fitness programs. You know, it's just a matter yeah, of. I don't think you should just run just to run like i no. like again you hear these marathoners or like all these people who do running for a living well they pay the price their body breaks down i mean that's the inevitability of what you're doing but i just yes. think you know if like if you think about it i'm a huge fan of diversity in the workouts so like you know hey all right you're in an ink like 90 percent of your cardio you're in an incline walk and you'll push yourself through the incline and everything and that's great but i think that that one day preferably on a weekend when you don't have to work you go in there and you're like all right Today, I'm doing 10 rounds of HIIT training. I'm going to walk at a 2.7 flat, no incline, and then I'm going to jog. I'm not saying all-out sprint, but jog at a 7. And because I'm fat and out of shape, that killed me on Saturday night. That was tough for me. You know what I mean? But I felt great. And yeah, I did feel it in my quads a little bit, but it was nice to like feel my legs a little bit, you know? And that's what I think... At least for me, that push uh, really helps, and that all, and just that all out, like, hey, I gave it my all on that in that hit training, and now we can come back in today. We're doing leg day. You'll see a video on that at some point. Like that's that's what I'm talking about with with running. I'm not a big fan of just like go out on the street and just run because that's what you do. That you'll never catch me doing that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think it is. Yeah, that's just not my thing. Yeah. It, it is. I get bored mentally. That's see. That's why hit training for me works because I'm not bored mentally. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling this. My diaphragm's already tired, but I got two more rounds. Like, how am I gonna get through this? When when I was playing baseball in high school and and for a minute in college, like I just got bored mentally running. I just couldn't. I didn't know where to go, and that's why I think I didn't like it. Fat Jesus for for endurance. He says I replaced running with pleasuring myself. Yeah. Fat. You know. There you go. Okay. Matt Shaw says, when I train for a marathon, I combo weight training, running a cheat day and a, and a rest day. The week before the race, I do nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to have certain, like I can't do cheat days. Cheat days are very interesting mentally. Mm -hmm. When I'm locked in nutritionally, I can't do super chicks. I can't do right. JCWs. I got to stay locked but in. But also on the other side, when you're locked in, you're like super locked in. Like you're super just in that in that groove. Yeah, I eat well, you know. Uh, running is boring, but I have to do it for work, Giggity says. So I go mile to mile and half as fast as I can. Well, there you go. I don't mind that. Uh, Top Junkie says, I walk 4.6 on an incline 6 to 8 for 2 miles and lift upper body. Do your, do your weight training before you do your cardio. 
because you always want to have the most strength for your most strenuous activity. Yeah. He says, then bike for 45 minutes. Global Cycling Network. James Ryman is awesome. It's free. Nice. Uh, Justin Salas says, most people who get hurt running get hurt because they're running too hard for too long. Got to run slow to fast. Yes. Yeah, you do. Yes. Tanner says, wait, Jake, you went to college. Where did you go? Junior college, Contra Costa, for one semester, and then I left because I hated it and didn't want to pay for it. Yeah, refused. And I hated the community. Richmond, oh, Richmond, California is not a great community. Daggummit. Yeah. More yeah. stupid bots. Yeah. Stupid, stupid bots. Yeah. It's crazy how many bots we've had today. Yeah, man. It, it's well, that's absolutely. What when that's what happens when you're pushing 2,700 views. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think that's I do think because... that's what it is. I, th I think that. I think that we've had, and and I don't mean this in any type of way, but just looking at the numbers, I mean, our, our peak today was somewhere around 350, 400 live yeah. at one time. And right now we're at 187 and we have, you know, total for the show, we've got almost 2,700. So, I mean, I think when you get to that, like I was saying, we didn't see bots until we got to 18, 1900. So, you know, I think that's what happens. All right. We have to go. Good to be with you. Good to see you guys. Thanks to everybody who's watching the show today. Make sure you give us a thumbs up, please. That really helps the show grow. Uh, thanks to our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Salt Lake City, and St. George. Only place to enter to win our uh, BYU drive away to Las Vegas to see BYU in Notre Dame on October 7th and 8th. And, uh, of course, this show is brought to you by Academy Mortgage and Deborah Davis, 801-543-9666. NMLS number 278-545, Debra Davis and Academy Mortgage, our equal housing lenders. I guess that's it, Jake. Well, I mean, is that not long enough? It's been three hours. It has been three hours. Okay, fine. So until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.